when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Friday, July 16th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 410. I'm your host, Austin Walker. I'm joined by Rob Zachney. Good morning. Patrick Klepek. Go around. Come to me last. Okay. And Carter Contreras. Hi, how's it going? And Patrick Klepek. You weren't hyped enough. I'm ready to get you hyped. Are you ready to get hyped? Are you ready to get fucking hyped? Are you ready to blow through the fucking roof What's right now? good, I'm about- Here it is. <laughs> it's Look at Monday. this trailer. It's not Monday. Look- it's Friday. <laughs> Look at it. July 16th. World? Click it. What? Wait, what am I clicking? What am I clicking? Look oh. at the oh, group chat. Yes, let's fucking go. <laughs> Click it. This is one of the most hyped trailers I've ever seen. I'm ready to Take get anime. Take the plunge. World Flipper pre-registration trailer pinball adventure. Are wow. you ready? All right, here we go. Get that trailer queued up. It's ready. It's ready. Oh, are we, are we going to go in together? Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. You ready? <laughs> yes. It's now I am. Ready. Okay, three. one, two, three. You're counting up. We're cutting down. We're cutting right. down. Is this a house flipper sequel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Three, Three, two, two one, one, go. Take the plunge. I'm ready to take the plunge, motherfucker. Into an epic pinball adventure. This is a trailer for world. Oh, Alk is here. That's a name. Oh, this is a bop. Yeah. Stoic yeah. sweetheart. This is going to be on my cell phone. My, I don't have a ring. I had a ringtone in a decade. About to have oh, I don't trust that motherfucker. The bunny evil animal. Yeah. Evil pinball animal. It's <laughs> happening. The pinball Wait, sorry, gotcha my phone game be a pinball table? Yeah, your phone is the pinball table. And all your friends are here to do magic attacks on the pinballs. Like this... Fox I'm person. I'm ready to meet powerful allies. I've been saying I've, that all yeah. year long. You know There's I've been Marina, saying this. Marina, Suizen, uh, Fira, yeah, sure. Okay, Cagliostro. Wait, is that, <laughs> wait, is that just, mm, okay. I use the same company. Uh, these skills look sick. The, the art in this game is so good. I, People, people know. Upgrade your units. God damn. Austin and I have been waiting years for this game. Yeah. Yo, there's actual co-op? Sick. Wait, I missed it. Did that say co-op? Yeah, it said said co-op. Can we get the audio of this underneath while we're watching it? Just so that people can hear. So people can understand why uh, we're so hyped. Hype levels. I didn't realize Uh, it was side games. Yeah. Uh That's why I said Cagliostro. That's just Cagliostro from from Grand Blue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, world, yeah, world flipper is a uh, gotcha pinball RPG mashup that has just a really cool art style, and yeah, it came out in 
it's been out like in Asia for <laughs> like two uh, years. Two years, yeah. I have friends I, who've played a bunch of it. I, 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 che- I check the version. World Flipper Reddit like once yeah. every six months when it like it, like filters into my brain. It's like, oh, remember that? Yeah. Um, and and I w- went down the path of well, I guess I could buy an Android phone and uh, I could download it and I could follow some of these translations. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no. And then finally they announced they were doing a a localized uh, version, uh, and that has. Nah, yeah, now pre-registration well, now gonna, is live. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pre-register. I, I pre-registered in both ways. I gave my email. I downloaded the app. Well, that way, like, whenever <laughs> both the four-star Arisa and Lodestar beads, and also a four or five-star exclusive ticket, which yeah. will get you a, a better character. Nah. So, <laughs> that, you know, that's that's what I'm all about. Uh, that's, of course, you know, I'm the the gotcha man. You know, you know, uh, I love thing. games. That's a different anime. It's about social media and and fights. It's right. Good. Okay, cool. the gotcha, the ga- yeah, that's my interview style. I'm the gotcha. Gotcha, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um the uh the speaking of gotcha shit, really quick, I will say uh I, I feel like we've talked about and then deleted conversations about about Genshin like twice in the last year. Um, but Genshin's about to drop its big new 2.0 thing, which is... is that, that's alongside its, its next-gen update, right? We should or brace for impact. impact. Yeah, people should brace for me playing a lot more Genshin, is what I'll say. Yeah. Uh, some I, conversations about Genshin. But, it, but it I still the, think... It is the next-gen version too, right? I have no Or is that already... I'm not playing okay. it. I think, that, I think the PS5 version already dropped. Um, okay. I think yeah, that, yeah. that... I have a friend who plays on PS4 and I upgraded believe- the PS5. Oh, the thing that's finally coming is... Linking your PlayStation yep. accounts to your PC oh my God. accounts, which they which they did not have at the jump for some reason. I think they had crossplay. Well, it's the other Sony directions, thing, right? It's yeah, I, that's what everyone guesses. That's yeah. what I would guess, but I because it was the I only one, know, right? Like no. you could play PC to mobile, to mobile, and yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah. So Does I'm it exist? I'm trying to scan this. Right? People, no, if you're watching, they, like, no, no, okay. They they've te- they have said they have a Switch version in development um yes. that I, I believe they were at some point promising that a like a private beta would happen last year but um well i would say covid except that when i interviewed those developers they went back to the office pretty quickly <laughs> like they yeah. i will say like, this, this about there was a very nice thing about the 2.0 and so so for people who don't watch who don't follow genshin stuff who don't play it i still play that game like a lot a lot Again, I have issues with the way that that all gotcha games prey on uh, uh, gambling addiction. I have I have issues with gotcha in general, um, but I'm also I personally uh, know how to play those games in a way that like doesn't break my bank and and can get a lot of joy out of them. Especially because that particular game scratches so many itches for me in terms of exploration, combat design, stuff like that. Um, uh, and normally they do these, they do their like update trailers using voice actors from the English dub of the game. And they like are, they're not like in character, but they kind of slip in and out of their character voices and they get to have fun and be like, Oh, Hey, here's this upcoming thing and blah, blah, blah. Um, but for the big 2.0 announcement, they just did a subtitled stream with members of the Chinese development team, which is really nice because like I, I've never seen any of those people. It's always been filtered through anime characters and English <laughs> dub voice actors. And so to see like the head of story, the head of the, you know, one of the music producers talk about what how they took inspiration from Japanese music for their music, you know, in this new in this new zone. Um was really cool. Uh and and so I was excited. People should go just watch the watch the trailer at least for this for this big update that's coming. It's uh it looks sick. So um 
speaking of games about exploration and mm. and I mean honestly part of the reason I love Genshin so much is because like Breath of the Wild 2 isn't out yet and that game scratches <laughs> some of those itches. Uh there is something that that's coming out is it out this week or is it out next Yeah, it'll week? be it'll be out when this podcast is out. I believe it comes out um today as we're recording okay. on on Thursday. Do I need to play The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD? edition hd it's just called skyward sword hd right i think it's just skyward sword hd um n- n- no uh well Ooh. i mean if you have get if you have genshin coming up if you if you're going to have i do like things like that th- those <laughs> if i have scratched, if i have those needs you've played met it already before, right me yeah i've never played skyward sword no. absolutely oh, not okay. yeah most people don't need to um uh, most I mean, people don't damn. need to the skyward sword is 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 interesting uh, it comes at like a really like strange skyward sword is interesting no one talks about <laughs> nintendo games like this you don't hear like oh yeah it's an interesting game you don't need to play it about most nintendo games well, breath of, like uh, Skyward Sword needed to walk so breath of the wild could run um right. there is a lot of breath of the wild concepts in here like stamina right. um weapon degradation uh like that stuff started here uh mm. cl- clunkily poorly um in a not particularly uh, great game but but nonetheless like you you see elements of what Nintendo would gesture at or was gesturing at in this game that they would move towards uh more fully embracing in in Breath of the Wild Sky- yeah Skyward Sword came out for the Wii not only did it come out for the Wii it came out at a flex point for the Wii, we were, we had and during our Switch course uh, discussion from uh, right. last yes. week. Yes. One of the things we discussed was, well, where is the the natural point where Nintendo would want to introduce a Switch Pro? Uh, partially because uh, like sales are slowing down and they need to reinvigorate things. Um, mm-hmm. And on the Wii, one of those moments was the introduction of Wii Motion Plus, um, which was a, a, a an add on that would, would uh, click in clunkily to the bottom of your Wii remote and give it uh, much more accurate motion controls. And it was really, Mm -hmm. like, it felt like a really quite a leap at the time, whereas, like, the motion controls you did for Wii Sports were, like, really broad stroke, like, swings of that controller. Um, Whereas with Motion Plus, you had a lot of specificity. Like, it felt like you were holding, not quite one-to-one, but, like, really, really close. Um, Right. And it was neat, technically speaking, um, but I don't know that Nintendo ultimately found a ton of actual, like, meaningful applications for it. But one of the ones they really pushed was, like, to play Skyward Sword, you needed Wii Motion Plus. You didn't uh-huh. just need a Wii. Um, you needed to uh, actually purchase their um, accessory, like the Rumble Pack equivalent. Um, Skyward Sword is a game that takes place in uh, a sky skyloft, uh, a sky world. Um, you, it's a, it's a it's a world in which uh, people don't explore the the surface. It is, by all accounts, a you know <laughs> a calamity uh, to put it in uh, uh, Legend of Zelda, Zelda terms. Uh, terms. Um, sure. Uh, and people fly around on these big birds that they uh, you have when you are born, like there is a bird that speaks to you. You have, you know, this really personal bond um, to the point that these people can leap off of the edges of Skyloft whistle and their bird will come running and pick them, pick them I up. Would that really do does it. not seem like I a reliable. No, no, no. no. But if you do it a hundred times in a row bird. for me, I would never feel safe. There, there <laughs> are even Skyloft police uh, where they're, they're uh, I guess maybe not police. Like they, it doesn't seem like there's not a lot of people in Skyloft. I'm not sure a whole lot of arresting is happening, but okay. if, if uh, you can uh, fall off, I think it's early on when you, you can't call your bird and then, like, there's somebody, like, watching out for you. It's like, hey, like, you shouldn't be jumping off here, buddy. Um, 
um, that, that'll catch you. And like, that's, that's the, the sort of like the setup is like, uh, differently than, although I guess similar to Breath of the Wild, where other Zelda games, uh, Zelda, the character is, is really just a princess in another castle. It's a MacGuffin mm-hmm. to get Link to go on a quest. Um, one thing that I, I, I think, uh, Skyward Sword and, and Breath of the Wild have in common is, you know, there are still faults with, you know, just not making her playable or, or giving her more agency in the story. But like mm-hmm. Zelda is a character um, that you care about in Breath of the Wild. She she yeah. has emotional arcs, a reason for existing that is not yet in the controller's hand. But like she's more central than just like a plain MacGuffin. And that is right. that is also something that is part of uh, of Skyward Sword, in which when you start the game, it is about this relationship between Link and Zelda, in which, boy, you get some strong vibes that Zelda just would like if Link could just get his shit together and kiss her, <laughs> like show a little bit. Of Zelda's ready to Zelda's, Zelda's ready, to, ready to bone. Yeah. Is yeah. like a lot uh-huh. of vibes you get early in this game is just like you motherfucker. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna do all the work here. Like you're gonna have to. <laughs> Meet me halfway, and, and Link is just incapable of uh, of emoting it was, or talking. Well, really, because like, does Link feel like he has any characterization in this game? Outside well, you get di- of so you get dialogue choices in Skyward uh, oh. Sword. Um, okay. I'm just so busy with you- so many things. I'm getting that Triforce back together. <laughs> like it's just no, not a good time. The for thing, me. the thing is, the, the Triforce is portrayal- high school band. <laughs> the portrayal. Of- <laughs> Portrayal of Link as Skyward Sword is that he's a lazy piece of shit. Um, like he's he's, uh, he's I'm he's, listening now. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, he's like the, the the setup, the very long, extremely excruciatingly two hour long setup mm. for Skyward Sword before anything. But of, you got to learn about uh, Groose. They need all that time to you characterize Groose. <laughs> yeah, you got to learn the bully of the island, uh, Groose. Uh, but he, it's, it's coming a great up on name. this. Is that that motherfucker with the big head? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I've seen that guy. I've seen that guy around in real life. He, like, exists in the world. He's out there. Yeah. Groose is hanging around Brooklyn. into a Groose. Trying a little too hard. Thinks he's part of it, but he's really not. He's just being a tryhard. Yeah. Uh, He's Uh scared. He's a scary little child inside, which is honestly Groose. That is is Groose, too. Groose is just projecting. Um, But you're, you're coming on this big moment for Link where there's this big race. Uh, and it's supposed to be the epitome of like all these skills you've been learning. And then you can go into knighthood. So they become part of the servants of the goddess. Like part of what Skyloft is, is protecting, uh, well, you're not really sure, but you're protectors and the goddess is important. Um, right. <laughs> and then all of that sort of unfurls as, as you know, Link, you know, begins to start down his, his path to, to destiny and, and all that, you know, is entailed in, in, in games like this. Um, and yeah, but so you, you have Link doesn't speak in this just like he doesn't speak in any other Zelda game, but uh, he is given the opportunity to pick between. I mean, dialogue choices are really stretching it. It's it's like, hey, how you feeling today? Sure. Eh, OK, like that's like the extent, the extent of like what you're working with. But it is but it is illustrative, I, I think, again, of Nintendo like playing with some like interesting ideas. And even if, again, they don't really amount to anything, it might as well not be a dialogue choice. It doesn't impact anything. Uh, it's, it has no bearing on the story or even an ability to role play link in any, any meaningful way. Um, but that's, that's sort of the setup. Eventually, you know, Zelda goes missing and link finds a, a you know, a reason to, to head down to the, to the surface and start, 
well, tracking down some dungeons to collect some items to to go on a, on a quest. Uh, presumably, exactly missing, Zelda right? being missing would be one of those reasons, right? Like he's yes. not like, well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's true. Like it is. Uh, one of the I think cool things about the story, which like Skyward Sword is uh not dissimilar to uh, uh no sudden move, a movie we talked about this week on Waypoint Plus. Uh, I like talking about Skyward Sword more than I do playing uh, it. Um, because I frequently yeah. when I get into conversations about the game, it's it's so divisive. There are things that are interesting. There are lots of things that aren't, and I right, I, I find right. that it's spark and especially in the context of where the series went. It just makes a really fun conversation topic as 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 a pivot point in in the franchise. Uh, but yeah, like it's the game doesn't actually do a lot of like setup for like why Link needs to go do what he. I mean, there is a little bit of like, uh, you know, uh, was it Fee is like the like the robotic sword spirit sword, right? sword spirit that, a- that that kind of shows. It's not definitely seems like she's a piece of like machinery technology. Like she's given a bit of a robotic uh, uh, overtones to. Uh, both how AI she looks computer and, voice, yeah, type stuff. yeah, 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 definitely like technology that does not jive with like mm. the world that you are in in, in Skyloft. Um, and you know, like Skyloft, like the only reason the, the people are riding around birds, but then you know, uh, uh, Kato, what's the, what's the, what's the dude, a uh, beetle, uh, mm. the one that can sell you items? Yeah. Well, he's got a plane, but <laughs> he, he has to pilot that plane with his feet. Um, the only way that 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 ship goes is if he uses his air bike in order to. To make it go, and one of the mm-hmm. probably one of the funniest jokes in the game is uh, the first time I went into his air shop, which has some items that you can't get elsewhere. Uh, I didn't have enough money to purchase anything, and as you go to exit, uh, Beetle looks over to you and and goes, "Hey, you realize how much harder it is for me to keep this ship in the air when you're on here, and you have the audacity to look around and not purchase anything?" And he opens up a trap door, and you just fall through it. Um, and wow. he just. He just he just boots you out of his little uh, airship. Yeah, uh, it's good. But the the, the whole the whole uh, uh, like venture out into the world, yeah, has has very little motivation from a you are a child of destiny. This is what you were meant to do. Right, I mean, there's right. a little bit of that, but it really is uh, like the girl who should be my girlfriend, the crush that I can't admit, like got taken mm-hmm. away from me. Uh, and yeah, we're sort of looks like we're now being wrapped up in something bigger than ourselves. But like that's you know. That's really the reason I'm going out to to do this. Um, you know, you don't get a whole lot of internal motivation, but like that is like the setup that yeah. they're that they're playing with, and it's a little more interesting than what you you frequently get from from uh, these games. Um, but yeah, so the and then the, tied to that is the whole motion controls, uh, in which the the controller setup of Skyward Sword was that you would uh, you know you'd have that nunchuck add on uh, mm-hmm. you that you would plug into the Wii remote that gave you like an analog stick and a couple of buttons attached to it. And then you had the Wii remote and the Wii remote controlled your sword. Uh, you would, when you moved it up, it went up. When you moved it down, it went down. You can move it in full hundred, you know, 360 degrees. And all of the enemies are set up in that way. So when you meet a Bacoblin, right? Like that's like the generic enemy type in, in Zelda. Uh, yeah. They are moving their arms and their shield and their weapon in a way where if you attack from the left, like they might be blocking from that area. So you need to, you need to purposely attack from the right. Um, the, 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 the sword goes in uh, eight directions. So it's, you can up, down, left, right, and then all diagonals. Uh, and it's incorporated into the puzzles where like one of the early puzzles is uh, like an eyeball that is deeply attracted to the, uh, the pointy edge of your sword. And there seems to be no way to get into a door until you 
just fumble around with the controls enough to realize that if you if you turn it into a circle a couple of times, you, the eyeball gets dizzy uh, right, and goes, sure. oh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and it like, just falls off the door. Uh, it's like, very clever uh, and funny. Uh, and I always, I always really liked the, the combat. I, I thought it like gave like a really interesting twist on what otherwise in Zelda is kind of spamming attack and shield dodging mm-hmm. and then using whatever uh, like toolkit gimmick was like set up for for that boss like the the real focus of the the zelda series really until breath of the wild was not spending a ton of time thinking about what's happening moment to moment in combat those were just kind of flavor more than anything mm-hmm. else before you got to the next puzzle the next area the next environment um it's like what do i use my boomerang for um and so when they do the switch version they are faced with a bit of a conundrum uh because it, the game cannot really just map to hit A for attack. Um, They are, you would have to do fundamental rethinking of enemy design. Like you just have to, you'd have to do a remake of Skyward Sword, like a proper from the ground up, we're going to rethink what this game is. Um, And that's just not the kind of time and energy that Nintendo commits, even to a game like (laughs) Super Mario 64, which like really needs like that sort of like ground up, like rethinking and recontextualizing. And so they land in two very, awkward places with the the switch version um you can play without motion controls and then what happens is so if you do the motion controls it's basically how it was on uh on, on the wii the one the one advantage you get now is uh you have a second analog stick you didn't have two analog sticks on the wii sure um so you didn't have a free motion camera so in, right. in, in on the wii oh, what you're doing was wow. constantly hitting uh, a, a a button that would center the camera behind Link, Link. Yeah. constantly and it yeah. sucked so hard <laughs> um so what you what you frequently ended up doing instead was relying on the z targeting the lock on um function to sort of like actually center yourself so you just like find an enemy use the lock on and it's just it was imperfect it was very clunky um but it was like it was what they were working with because they didn't have a second analog stick with two joy cons you've got one on the left and right and so if you play with motion controls um, you get the, uh, you know, I think that the accelerometers and the Joy-Cons are even more accurate than they were in the Wii Motion Plus. So you get some really nice feeling uh, motion controls and you get that second analog stick, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, what I frequently found, though, was similar to how I felt playing Skyward Sword is that I really like the, the combat feel. But sometimes I like it thus means you have to think a lot about how are my, how am I sitting on the couch? How am I how am I sitting in this chair? Um, the switch has problems that we didn't have in which it will not quite desync, but you need to reset the calibration of that. That's uh, been my experience with switch motion controls from the jump. It doesn't, it, they're just as good moment to moment, but they are, they are like bound to shift. Even the motion controls have a sort of drift. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> everything the in the Switch, switch has, has a drift, and and, sp- and it's specifically because uh, you know I might be getting some of the tech wrong here, but I believe you know it has to do with the fact that the 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 Wii had you know its sensor you know that you plugged in specifically that was on top of the, mm-hmm. the television, and so it was just able to keep track of what you were doing at all times to more of a degree than um, you know what's happening with with the uh, on the Switch. Um, right. But like whatever the technical reasons, even if I fudge that. The, the long and short of it is that I frequently found that I would like pause, like actually swinging the sword was fine, but like pausing a menu, dealing with any sort of interactivity with the the pointer 
it's just it's just off the screen and then i've got to reset it and you know maybe i've got to adjust myself in in my seat i just i that goes against so much of what i find enjoyable about the switch which is mm-hmm. the ability for it to fit into my life at any moment with you know that gives me a, a free moment so i i switched over to to the the button only controls um and those work uh uh, uh pretty well uh, so the way that functions is that that second analog stick then becomes you know, you're like we uh, we remote. Like it becomes the, is it the motion always control. like that, or is yeah? It a so pole? you might be thinking to yourself, Patrick, didn't you just say that? Yeah, it's really cool that the the switch has two analog sticks and that you, you don't have to tap. That. Yeah, I said that. Yeah, you lose that. It's just gone. So you gain the ability to map the the sword <laughs> to the analog stick, which works really well. It it feels uh-huh. good. In some ways, I would argue it feels better than the motion controls. You lose mm. the one to one, but I, I like it, it. I don't know. Like, it, or it's fine. Or you don't lose enough for it to not like still be enjoyable. Right, and you sure, can still you can sure. still interface and play off the design that Nintendo has set up with these this really unique enemy construction. Like the first time you face the skeleton mini boss, was these this big skeleton, was these giant swords, and the way he positions the swords are just the specific paths that you need to slot to slide the sword down in order to hit him. It's mm-hmm. super fucking cool to like hit him with the left, hit him with an up, hit him with a upper right hand di- diagonal and like just throw his ass to the ground like that feels good in a way that Zelda combat rarely feels like Breath of the Wild combat feels good in a different way because yeah. of its setups and its randomness and its yeah. uniqueness but not necessarily because like the actions the of like pressing the buttons yeah. feels um really satisfying um and that's just like wholly unique to Skyward Sword in emphasizing like that element of combat having a depth to it um that the series doesn't usually uh, prioritize uh, but yeah what you are then left with is they have to map it there and so they still keep the free camera but it's on the uh what is it the i always forget the l like the left button like the first one that your your uh, uh that your finger touches on the left hand side so what you end up doing is you have to hold if you hold that down the right analog stick then becomes the camera so you're basically like running around the game when you're not don't have your sword out Holding, holding this button, button down. Why didn't they just swap it? Uh, you can't do that in the options, right? You can't go to the options and be like, swap what the basic. Well, you, it would sort of, they would run it. You, anytime you touch the analog stick, the sword is unsheathed. Um, What's so the thing is, why not give me a button to, sh- to unsheath the sword and just right. let it be yeah, defaulted that, yeah, to yes, camera well, you, control? Yeah, you could do that. Because yes, the, the way I think about it is the camera is like the base level of interaction with the game like movement and camera and everything else i do on top of that is on top of that and so if i have to have something if there has to be a modality i would want the modality to be with the sword and not with the camera if i have to like swap into something i'd want to be able to swap into being in sword mode not swap into having camera control yeah i i agree there was probably like some way to in the controls to let you just swap between modes which is like hey i'm in camera mode right now just let it exclusively be that yeah, you don't or have Or just make that. it a toggle instead of a hole. Sure. Yeah, these are all, right? you know, uh, uh, you know, it's gl- I'm glad I'm the game sh- is six months out that Nintendo has done this beta test uh, so we can <laughs> uh, work out the kinks in the controls. Um, I mean, no, Nintendo is very out famous today. for listening to its customers mm-hmm. and adapting the games after yeah. release with patches and updates yeah. um, that address those concerns. Because, yeah, that would be, something like that would be great. And I think it would find a nice middle ground where I'm not just holding this camera button down the entire, like, it's, like, it ultimately is fine. I don't 
Some people have uh, difficulty with the ergonomics of the Switch. I know that's why they've been excited for a Switch Pro beyond fidelity is like hopefully that it would feel better to control. I've never had any issues holding the Switch for lengthy periods of time. Um, It fits my hands really nicely. Um, And in this case, even though it's an imperfect solution and there seem to be more perfect solutions staring us in the face, as you pointed out, uh, like I, I, I was fine with it. Like I've and I've played more of it than I intended to. I intended to play about three hours, get to the first dungeon, and report back. And then like the the basketball game was going on last night, and like during the timeouts, I'd be playing more of the game. And suddenly, I was six hours into the game, and I'm like on my way to the second dungeon because like. Skyward Sword is not, I, I, yeah, like, I, I hesitate to recommend it. I think there are like so many other Zelda games you should play in its, in its place if you are unfamiliar with this, the series, or even if you played Breath of the Wild, fell in love with it. It's like, I want to see where it came from. Like, I don't f- feel like that's enough of a, of a pull, but it's, it's hardly a bad game. Part of the reason Skyward Sword gets such a rough rap is because of the generally high quality of these games, like across the board, where absent, like the, you know, the CDI ones being a goofy lark. Like, the Zelda games are almost all pretty good. Like, they're all pretty good, and then it sort of depends on your taste and particular uh, uh, flashes of excellence. And, like, Skyward Sword is, like, on the lower end of, of the pretty good, but has has enough going for it, especially in the, the combat design um, that I find myself propelled forward in the way that I mm-hmm. often do when I when I pick up any any Zelda game. I guess I just wish that it was Twilight Princess instead of... Uh, this game because that's the one I haven't played, and so if I'm going to get propelled forward in a in a Zelda game by sheer fact of the structure of these games really appealing to me, I, I wish it was in the one that I've I only played three hours of. Um, Just get your Wii U out of out of the, the garage. Oh, they're going to port Twilight is. Princess, so I'm like I'm I'll, I'll yeah? wait. I'll wait. Yeah, you think I'm, so? I'm okay. yeah. I I have, so. I have some confidence in that. Yeah. Uh, uh, kind of you had, you had mentioned you had shown some, some interest when. Uh, we were waiting on, on code for this. Like you, why, why did you want to play Skyward? Why did you want to play Skyward Sword? Did <laughs> because, you play that originally? Yeah. Um, I lived with a friend who had a Wii at the time when it mm-hmm. came out and I played through most of it. I got to like the last dungeon, I think. You didn't, didn't do. All right. So, and okay. Very. So, f- you didn't do the best part of the game. <laughs> one of the all time good things. The, the final dungeon of Skyward it Sword. It was. To be is fair, one of the best things Nintendo has ever made. I can't. I, this is why I, the code. Yes, go get him another code, Patrick. Um, no, because, uh, because Austin, I've burned, I've burned my bridge in getting a second code with Mario Golf. I don't, I don't mean to like spill too much tea. No, let's do it. Let's it was go. off the record, but Nintendo makes you jump through some real hoops and uh. like makes you feel bad for asking for a second, <laughs> second code. Like the fuck you need this for? But oh, we're thinking about doing a. A stream? stream. Oh, a, str- a stream, huh? Like, that's not an article. That'll, that'll move the needle. Uh, okay. But, well, that's okay. I'll just go buy it. Uh, nah, no. Nah, we'll look into it. We'll see if you can get you your second <laughs> code, Patrick. Uh, and they did. And they kind of showed me messages like, hey, if we get a code. I was like, well, I didn't have the heart to like, tell them at the time. I was like, I, sh- I just fucked up, Kato. I got that second Mario Golf code. I should have saved it for Skyward Sword. I didn't. Oh. I don't think I'm gonna get that. I don't think I get a, a second code. It's, okay. it's the only company that makes me feel right. yes, like guilty <laughs> yeah. for at yeah. like oh whoosh. well. Let's just see if we can look <laughs> up the Excel sheet up. and find the the number generator. If it spit out another one of those for you, uh, but to be fair to myself, the reason I didn't finish it is because I moved. We moved. The Wii was no longer in my house. 
I probably yeah, would have finished it otherwise. I try. I tried really hard that week before we moved. Probably <laughs> spent a little too much time trying to get Moving's there. Moving's already so stressful. Yeah, you don't need to put that it on was you. The whole you know. thing. So part of it was that I wanted to see it through, and yeah, it was curious. And I like actually like as as annoying as I found the the sort of like weird um the the way that like every single time you restarted the game and you loaded a save and like it reset that it remembered that you had picked up an item before so you didn't need the oh, whole to, fanfare. To the point of yeah. every time you came back into the game originally on the Wii, if you pick up like a rupee, yeah. it's like, do you remember what this... Oh, you know what? You don't know what you're this a, is. You're a dumbass. Yeah. You forgot what a rupee is. Here's you don't know how rupees. that works in the game. You're 32 hours in? Like, come on. <laughs> this uh, is a rupee. You gotta read about the rupee. <laughs> so that was like tell you about qua- this rupee. Qua- one of the quality of life improvements in in like this HD version was like, yeah, we turned that off. Like Thank once God. you collected an item once, we don't tell you what it is again. <laughs> they also uh, your your companion, you know, your Navi equivalent yeah. fee uh, was just so every talkative. all the time. In in the original, which I you know I, I'd be so curious is was was some of that tied to insecurities related to the fact that the Wii appealed to such a broader audience right. that right. Nintendo Maybe. had been used to in at, you know over a over, you know the you know this the the Super Nintendo was really big the S64 was big but paled in comparison to the PlayStation and then the GameCube was relegated to like you know pretty far behind stat like it's just been a long time I, I wonder if they worried that hey people don't actually know what all the tenants of our Zelda game are we're going to make sure we hold their hand both yeah. in the item descriptions and in fee like talking to you, I mean, quite a literally, lot. like every every, walk, every right? minute, that just coming out and like, "Hey, it looks hot up ahead. Careful, like, it's hot up ahead." It was. It's it's worse than Hey Listen, right? Like it overtook yeah. Hey Listen as far as like the thing of like, oh, this this character is annoying now. Like Navi was like big back Navi for all. Like, um, I also like, I really enjoyed. This is what I saw of the story, which is most most of it, honestly. And uh, yeah, I guess I like small- the world. Skyloft is cool. Like the the relationship with like the the goddess or you know lack thereof is. I yeah. mean, I, I, the, the mythology they set up for this specific area. Yes, th- there's more mythology than you usually get in like a Zelda totally. setup. It's like oh, a random kid in a random village is chosen to fulfill their destiny, and here it's like no, this place knows it's special. They don't really know why. Um, they're guarding objects that like their importance has been like, it's all through oral storytelling and a lot of it has been lost like over time. Like the, one, the, the, fa- I think it's Zelda's, is it Zelda's father? Like is the, the, the guy? Yeah. I don't know I if it's Zelda's. So. Yeah. Zelda's father. So. Like, yeah. you know, he, uh, you know, he mentions when Link is, is chosen and a fee like identifies uh, themselves and uh, you know about the adventure they're going to go on. Like he's almost like moved to tears because like m- generations of families just guard this thing, knowing that they're supposed to. And and I'm here when like, the thing happens. Like and it's 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 cool to see yeah. those sorts of moments. Like a like a you know it's all still kind of played pretty like silly and lighthearted but there's a mm-hmm. i don't know I, I like i i think it's part of why i have a soft spot for skyward sword in like i like all of these elements and again like like talking about them like in the moments 100%. i don't know that they necessarily hit as hard as like when i speak it out loud i go like damn that is pretty cool and like there's a little yeah. more going on <laughs> than you than you normally get 
and just like yeah it 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 was funny to see uh how much people wanted or people had hoped and of course this was for different reasons that Breath of the Wild was one where you played as Zelda because mm-hmm. of the storyline in Skyward Sword you could easily see seeing her half of that story being like like the way you like could play Chris or Jill in Resident Evil like she's doing her own thing like and yeah they, yeah the I whole was all, yeah that's the, yeah we should like make clear like part of like the plot setup of, of this is like Zelda doesn't I mean she's kind of like knocked off a rocker like a tornado appears and uh she's like sent down to the surface but then it becomes like really quick really uh quickly clear that she has agency. She's going to these temples that you're going mm-hmm. to as well. And part of like your <laughs> really like a lot of, of Skyward Sword is Link, you're pretty slow. Yeah. If you could just move a little faster, you might be able to catch up with her, but you clearly can't. And so like that's always there's a bit of like a princess in another castle, but as opposed to it being because she's been kidnapped and is given uh, no power or agency over situation. It's more like uh zelda's a lady boss and like she's just taking care of her own shit and like maybe you could just step it up okay uh and and there is a world yeah yeah and there is a world where like kato says you know you could easily have like told both of those stories where like zelda goes through a like a dungeon functions in two different ways and you had two different power sets um Mm -hmm. that you know zelda got to go through and then link got to go through or or some variation of, of something uh, like that, um, but they also, don't. They don't take any with of her off. on her qu- side of the quest, which I also always like. Im- I just kept imagining, like, oh, like, what if you can control? You do puzzles together, and all sorts of like wild things. I must. I've associated with that game that aren't real. Is that a spoiler? <laughs> Is that a spoiler? It's, no, I don't think so. That was pretty early. Mm. Is it? Ah, okay. Well. All right. I guess mm, if you don't know oh who, I think you're gonna have to go back, Mr. <laughs> Producer, yeah, and yeah. I think you're gonna have to bleep yeah. out. All right, what you just am I? Said. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Hundred percent. Yeah. In this okay. Case. I'll I, I, th- I think what? I, well, partially because I think this this game was like came later in the Wii's cycle. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people haven't played it. I think a lot of people are going to yes. play it. Um, uh, Kato. Yeah. I don't know if you remember how. Deeply horny and sexual, the villain is. I, I just yes. saw a clip with his yes. tongue. His tongue his was tongue's all, all over. All I could, all I could oh think while God. playing this game is people are gonna want to fuck this dude. <laughs> they already do, real bad. Absolutely, this is more. I know, but I, more and new. It's arriving. People. Yeah. It's arriving in the, a different time. Yeah, we, I'm on the, the Nintendo fandom wiki, <laughs> and my boy is hitting a pose. Yeah, like hard. <laughs> yeah, he's really truly out here. He's great, um, Austin. Gary, the, fir- Gary. the first time he appears yeah, what, in the how game. How do you pronounce this name? I don't. There's a lot of H's in here. Yeah, I have no idea. That the game doesn't Great. help you in that to, you know regard. Right. There's no. Oh, there's no voice acting because the no. first game with voice act, the first Zelda game with voice acting was Breath of the Wild, right? Um, but I think it's I mean, he, he, that's what Gary I guess, right? That sounds good. Yeah. yeah. But the first the first time he appears, he is, I mean, caressing Link and using yeah. his tongue in very. I mean, it's just the. Re- I'm not saying. That there hasn't been 10 years of people uh getting horny for the this character but <laughs> this game now drops in a different world like it drops sure. in a culture that like celebrates stuff like that more than like ushering into like the dark corners of of fandom right where right. uh like people 
being publicly horny for a character is is something that it happens on Maine. Well, and this is and this it didn't happen on Maine ten years ago, right? And this also will absolutely be fans kind of reclaiming a queer coded villain, yeah. right? Like this oh, is oh yeah, the, this is this is like classic evil gay guy right. uh, uh, trope <laughs> for sh- for sure. For I mean, sure. and I have not played. The whole game again, which so is like, not I don't, great. I don't know what the problems are in that, especially because who yes. knows how much was Nintendo's intention? Where they're going for an eccentric character and then are are pulling from that pool, you know, right. yeah. purposely uh-huh. or not? I don't know, but I do think people are. You're right. I think people are going to claim this character, yeah. um, like regardless of like the minefields that you know are associated with just Nintendo's mm-hmm. history with, with, with that, like as, you know, uh, subject matter in general. But it's just a, such a cool. Villain, it's very anime. Um, mm-hmm. in fact, I've often heard it uh said that like Skyward Sword is is like the most some of the most anime that Zelda as a series a- a- has gotten, and it's frequently overlooked because Skyward Sword as a game is frequently overlooked. And so, right, I, I don't know right. that Skyward Sword is going to get the full uh oh, it's like it's, re- it's fantastic actually, but I do think it's gonna right. I do think it's going to get a reevaluation in the light of Breath of the Wild. That that even I'm doing myself playing it and find myself appreciating it. and I I liked it I, I reviewed it for Giant Bomb I think I gave it four stars and like my general consensus was like pretty cool but way too long and mm-hmm. a lot of annoying things and they fixed the annoying things but it's still way too long. Yeah. Um, uh, and but part it, of that list is, is interesting. That there's a lot of revisiting of like yeah. zones. fast travel. There's just there's not a great fast travel system. There is you know. The, well, but here's the thing. Even <laughs> yeah, so yeah, this is the game famously where there is an amiibo um, that allows you to uh, go to the sky immediately, no matter where you are at any time. The way travel works in Skyward Sword uh, is that uh, the like equivalent of the uh, Hyrule Field or the ocean in Wind Waker uh, is is Skyloft, and so when you are in the sky on your bird, there are you're collecting these stone tablets that open up essentially like a, a path in the clouds to take you back down to the surface. Um, and what you were, what you did in the original game and what most players will end up doing here is that anytime you come across these bird statues that let you save the game um, or travel back to the sky. So anytime you encounter them, they're, they're, you, you find them every couple of minutes. It's not difficult to, to stumble onto one of these. Uh, you go to the sky, head to the next area, and then come down. But correct me if I'm wrong, Kato, can you fast travel to, to individual bird points, or is it only the beginning of the world? I'm I'm not actually sh- – I haven't actually looked that into specifically what the amiibo allows. I just keep hearing well, No, I just mean in the original game. Oh. In the, in the original game. Uh, when you like – I can't remember. I think, I think it's just the start the, of the world, yeah, right? Yeah, you go back to the start of the world. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. And, and so I think the only – I think – I think I have this right. I think the the only thing the amiibo changes is that you can head to the sky at any time, but it doesn't like necessarily introduce the ability to. Hey, I remember this secret that's three fourths through the area on the upper right hand corner, and there's a save point over near there. Just take me to that little bird location. I don't think any of that exists in the game. I reserve the right to be wrong on that front, but I I don't think it quite has that, and and that still leads to a game in which. You're just doing an enormous amount of uh, getting from one from point A to point B, even in the Skyloft area where one of the mechanics of the game is you'll come across these special chests that you hit with your sky sword power. And then that unlocks the ability to open and find that chest in Skyloft. It's kind of like a thing to do when you need to revisit your home base. 
Um, it's just a lot of like going straight with your bird, you know, like, like do this for a minute and a half. All right. Yeah. Not much to do during that minute and a half. And like that shit adds up. Like the game probably has six hours, six solid hours of padding that is not just aimless wandering, but is, is certainly aided and abetted by, by that. And so that part's not changed here. The, you know, quality of life is not a director's cut where they went in and said, we took out chunks of the game and reorganized and they- it. They did not send you that amiibo to test, presumably. They did not. No, um, but again, I, I haven't. If 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 it is really just go to the sky whenever you want, I, yeah. I, I can kind of do that already. I I, I think myself and others step from a dungeon. Yeah, yeah. I think, but yeah, yeah. You, yeah, right. Yeah, in a dungeon, it would be where it would be like most most useful. But most of the time, in a dungeon, you're just getting in and getting out. Like, there's not. You're not like revisiting dungeons unless you missed a heart piece. So I think it's less helpful than. People were worried about, and myself included. I, I, but I still think it's goofy they gated it. They still put in something that is it is a quality of life improvement that is gated behind an amiibo, and that's bullshit. Like regardless yeah. of how right. how right. often right. you use it, there would at least be times you would use it, or it'd be nice to know you could and you can't unless mm-hmm. you buy uh, the amiibo. Oh shit! I wish I could just you know swing up and buy an extra whatever. And n- no, you'd have to leave the dungeon to do it or whatever. Yeah. Right, so. right, right, right. Not the end of the world, but no, but but, but definitely uh, bullshit. <laughs> yes, but definitely bullshit. Um, all right. Well, thank you for letting me know. I probably don't need to. I'll probably still buy it and put some time into it just to. I'd be yeah. I'd be curious. I'd be curious like, specifically what you thought of it. Um, yeah, because yeah. of of like you said, the fun Wild. game to talk about. Too. Right. Yeah. I think I think also, you- I like Zelda game. Like to be clear, Breath of the Wild is like the first Zelda game I've connected to or something like that. I like the previous style of Zelda game fine. Um uh but, but some also, just hit I harder. just said some just hit harder. Yeah. You know, that's just true. So uh all right. Uh before we go to break uh and let you go to the movies, Patrick, mm-hmm. because you got some research to do for us. Um we should talk more about you finished Boomerang X. No, Kato, did you no, also finish it? No, you didn't no, finish it. Neither no. of you finished it. Kato, I'm I sure mean, did. Well, Kato, wait, what do you what? mean by finished? I guess. Well, there's a boss. <laughs> oh, at sure. The end of the game. Sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I when I wrote when I wrote in our what do we have for tomorrow? Uh-huh. <laughs> I had the last area and the boss left, and I've I've pretty much cruised through this game. Like it definitely made me sweat mm-hmm. profusely. Mm-hmm. Like really, edge of my seat, final life, just really having to pick and choose my shots. But yeah, I, I made sure. it through, uh, and and even the the final area only died once. So when I wrote, I'm gonna beat this game. I was like, okay, like by all indications, I'm gonna f- get to this last area, and you know it'll put up a fight, but I'll get to the other yeah. side. Uh, Kato, that has proven to be uh, untrue in the hour or so that I have spent. Ah. Oh, uh, no. fighting this Hour. fighting this boss the the difficulty spike Ugh. at the end of this game wow. between the final area and the boss is really not commiserate with the the, the way the Damn. difficulty uh, go, goes up over time wow um i still really like God, are it. you saying these are you making these sounds of someone who's beaten this boss or yeah. are, you, are you not there yet no yeah i beat it i oh. beat it um you found it easy? Wrap that shit up easy not easy just not as it it does jump from the last room but i don't think that drastically but maybe we're taking different approaches because i've for the last three rooms have played in slow-mo mode where i am always time stopping like i'm never not in regular speed 
Yeah, no, I think uh, the game encourages you to yeah. more or less do that at a yeah. certain point. The thing that I have found, and I, I share this with uh, Brad Shoemaker, who was the first person I thought of when I played this. Like the first level I played, I went, oh my God. Well, I need to, this is a Brad Shoemaker. Game, I need to tell sure. Brad about this. Like, this is a Quake <laughs> mod come to life. And I messaged him, I was like, hey, I don't know if you heard of this game. You need to go play it. Um, he has since then told me that it's like he's lost his fucking mind uh, playing this game. So I was, I was glad to be. Uh, yeah. We were t- we had talked about it in a previous uh, podcast about being like knowing a person well yes. enough to know. And I, this was just like well, you need to play this game. <laughs> like I know you're gonna. And he did flip for it, which was cool. Um, but him and I have run into a similar issue. And I'll be I'll be curious, Kato. So let me explain where Brad and I have fallen and why we've hit and hit uh, a stone wall with Boomerang X. Um, a game if you didn't somehow missed a previous podcast is a game uh, in which you fight in these little combat arenas uh, where you throw a boomerang, and that boomerang allows you to teleport to where the boomerang went. You can, if you spin up the boomerang for like a, a long-range shot, you can slow down time by holding another button. It's a big aerial fo- aerial combat-focused uh, game that requires uh, an immense amount of Twitch skills uh, to manage like the arenas that you're in. Um, the sense of, uh, so I have now put... I don't know, an hour and a half into it? Okay. Something like that? 70 minutes. So I'm I'm like halfway through according to the according chapter to select. The, the chapter select or the, mm. the achievements at least. Um and like that that's the sense of weightlessness as you're moving from like your teleport point to teleport point and like the sort of flow it reminds me of something like a Spider-Man game, mm-hmm. which I think you mentioned in the first in the first thing. I did, yeah. Uh in the first conversation where like this could just be a first person Spider-Man game. But there but I think even more than than those games, there is a like, all right, where am I? What's okay, now I'm over here. What can I do from this pers- perspective? Okay, now I'm over here. What okay, because when you teleport to the boomerang, you don't necessarily have a great understanding of where that boomerang is going to be in that particular moment. Right. You're like, okay, I'm gonna be up above here. Um, and getting better at the game is partially knowing where to place the boomerang in a regular attack so that you do end up in an advantageous position. But that sense is so cool. And I just want to say, before you talk about what held you up, that mm-hmm. you're, on, you're on wood. The the big the, – there's like a big dinosaur-type enemy yeah. in the woods yeah. that you fight sometimes. Mm-hmm. That whole stage is like – top tier video game level that yeah. whole level yes. design it's the first really big open space that you fight in that has like a bunch of that's like too big to you for you to conceptualize all of where everything is at, at one point because of the really tall trees and the, the width of the size of the arena and the fact that in the later parts of that fight sometime or that's that stage sometimes there's like almost like a canopy that you can cross up beyond because of the way that some of the enemies work, and it's great. So well, it's so. really it's really pretty. It's pro- it's probably the prettiest level in the game, and actually yeah, so far at least. I, I, I frequently think back to that stage because a lot of the game is caves and fighting in these caves, yes, and the yes. caves are fine, but that's that specific, that's specific, nothing hits the same high as that specific level and. All I can think of is like, oh, like what if like there was one set in the winter, um, or the rain, like yeah. the, you know what I mean, like yeah, different, yeah, yeah. like there are different settings they could put the, the same, the, the, right. this very same game and and get a lot out of it. So uh, anyway, I'm sure you've encountered this because this is the direction the game pushes you in mechanically. Is that oh, when you throw this, uh, this boomerang, um, you can charge it up, you can slow down all at the same time, so you can. Line up your next shot, which is not only lining up a shot that hopefully hits an enemy, but will also take you in the direction of where you want to plan your next right. move. Um, right. And also, even if you miss that shot, 
if you run into an enemy while teleporting, you will still take them out. And so you you kind of set yourself up in multiple ways for potential success. And so a lot of what you end up doing in the game, uh, as Kato illustrated about being in slow motion time, basically the entire time, is 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 throwing, stopping, throwing, stopping. And like you're kind of just like teleporting across across the arena. Um, and and the times when you're releasing that and not being in slow motion is, uh, oh, I'm in between rounds. I'm going to quickly try and uh, you know charge up one of my shields on these little power spots. Or uh, I want to try and get three enemies to group themselves together. So I'm going to I'm going to try and kite them to me at this area, line them up, shoot them and then, you know, shoot through them. Anyway, that like, creates a situation where you get very used to that style of play. And in the the uh, the final level before the boss and the boss in particular really punishes you for not uh for for not doing that anymore like you need to stop doing that all the time because you are going to you're going to throw yourself into um AoE effects you are going to throw yourself into the uh environmental walls and all that's going to damage you and what you need right. to start doing more often is throwing it grabbing it back with the right the right click of your mouse um right. And then allowing yourself a beat to think about what do I actually want to do next instead of relying on always pushing forward. Because if you just keep pushing forward, the momentum is such that you're not always going to be able to stop yourself. By the time you catch that boomerang, you will have run into an object that hurts you. And what I have found is that it's very hard to break that habit. And I don't think the way the levels are designed set you up. To, to fully learn that lesson except the hard way where it's like oh suddenly i'm in i'm in a level where haha that thing that was like super successful all along like actually like you should stop doing that and then in the boss it goes well not only should you stop doing that but the walls all the walls are dangerous and they're not <laughs> like very visual walls they're just kind of like storms you don't actually yeah. know what's gonna hurt you um and so, like, a lot – I don't want to spoil too much about the boss, but, like, part of the setup of, of it is is uh, there, are pe- there are, you know, red spots on this boss that you attack, and those uh, those turn into crystals that are also darts. And those darts immediately turn around and start attacking you. Yeah. So the weak points that you're hitting then become enemies that you need to deal with. And, yes, uh, shooting through them with your teleport is the most useful way to – take them out because they are tiny and like your character's body is bigger than shooting the boomerang and and hoping that you take them out. Um, But I have just found that's the part that I'm struggling with Kato is, is breaking a habit that the game guided me towards rewarded me for. And then all of a sudden seems to sort of want to take away in, in in a way that had there been a little bit more like a third more of the game that like Mm -hmm. built up to that moment um, I'm not really frustrated. I don't think it's not like ruining the game for me. It's I just yeah. found I just find it to be a game that is otherwise so precise and elegant in its introduction to mechanics and level design mm-hmm. and momentum. Yeah. This feels a little clunky in a way that uh, is just it just kind of stinks. It's, it's like, like everything else has been that, perfect uh, up right. until this it assumes moment. that you've learned this lesson at some point, yeah. but they haven't forced you to actually learn. Correct, that at any correct, point. correct. Yeah. I think um, that, that's my read. a little bit. And then they, uh, I don't know. Do we want to go where you stop that one or a different? I, I don't think it's a game. One. I mean, if it's, if you don't want to, okay. if you don't, I mean, yeah, let's not. Let's talk about it again. Well, well, let's let's honestly play a little bit more. We can, yeah, we can gonna, visit I'm this before we close the book today or tomorrow. On, on the right and then, but that yeah. that's that's where I'm at with it. Where um, 
it's just a little a bit of a sour note on a game that otherwise I think is impeccably designed. Um, and can I ask a, qu- a mechanics question? Sure. Actually, when should I be using the Pierce ability that I that you start like the sniper the sniper rifle? Yeah, uh, is it just like really far away shots that I don't want to. There are at? there are enemies. Have you encountered the enemies that are kind of like the um, hulking, like the look like trolls that are like just stand still on things and, and the enemies spawn out the back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if yeah, you shoot yeah. them. So the all the enemies uh, or free, many of the enemies have those red spots. Yeah, you need to shoot them. That thing will shoot through a body. Um, so, ah, okay. So you can sure. be across okay. the arena. Did not understand it. Shot through bodies. See Got one it. of those and just line it up and get them. Um, right. There's also there's another enemy. Yeah, I was gonna say I I thought that happened in that first one where you, but it might be the second room after you get the pierce. There are enemies that will teleport if you get too close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, become, the, yeah, I fought those guys. Like in in. Oh wait, no. See, I didn't read that as getting too close. I read those. I read that's interesting. Yes, I read those as they'll teleport from an attack, but then if you get the next attack in on them soon enough, it's like they don't have the it. Like depends on if they're doing their spell. Is what it, right? Well, like, it's like it seems like it charges up immediately after right, a teleport, right. and it's, they don't have it they don't ready have it right ready. away. I didn't realize that it was a proximity thing. Also, yeah, yeah. If you get too close and they okay. have it ready to go, they will just teleport. So that's, that's yeah, part yeah. of. Part of it was also like Ooh. making that easier. That makes sense. All right. Well, we should take a break. Patrick, you should go watch The Forever Purge, our next movie podcast podcast uh, movie movie podcast movie yeah. podcast. Uh, uh, somebody uh, in the Discord said uh, no sudden movies. <laughs> you can't tie it to a specific. Thing. I know. I know. I can't. The- it's just uh, that was just funny to me. Uh, what was the really good name we came up with? Did we say it on a microphone? Did that happen somewhere else? The really what good was... one or the the bad one? I had a I bad I had a bad one that was like, we'll get there. We'll get Wait, there was the, the name of it? We'll get there was the name of the Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, that no, was no. that was there an was it, a really good one. Yeah. What was the one I'm thinking of? You know what I'm I don't right? Know. I, mean, I, I don't want know to say it was another was one there. tied to a mo- uh, no, we were taught we, we couldn't use it because literally oh. thing had just been named that. No sudden move would be the like uh, the, just a good name of a podcast. Yeah, so, I think so. we did yeah. the same joke twice. Yes, it's like twice now. Yeah. Each day we've been yeah. like that'd be a good podcast. <laughs> well, Austin wasn't there, so I, was I wasn't there. So how could I? I was trying to bring it back. Yeah. Anyway, that is that in the feed today? Is that no sudden or is that yesterday? Did that go out? Yeah, no sudden, no sudden. Move? No sudden moves is okay. in the feed. Was in the feed yesterday or two days ago from people listening to this from and Patrick's right. interview with um, nice. Alec. Uh, Alex, sorry, I forgot Alex's last name. Um, uh, Aniel. Alex Aniel. Uh, Alex Aniel, who's the author of Itchy Tasty, an unofficial history of Resident Evil. Oh, nice. Um, was at one point. Itchy Tasty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Itchy Tasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, Rob gets the reference. Um, was, was at one point, uh, one of the, the uh, preeminent collectors of Resident Evil, uh, like, uh, every edition of a game, like, had a collect- collection with 300 copies of, uh, of Resident Evil, trying to get gotcha. all the different skews across, um, you know, the world, um, and uh, yeah, wrote a wrote a wrote a cool book uh, about uh, where they you know interview uh, Shinji Mikami and um, Hideki Kamiya and a lot of other folks that were involved in the creation of that series over the last uh, twenty plus years. Uh, it's a really fun fun read uh, if you like are familiar with playing the series, but you know don't know like little factoids like the fact mm-hmm. that the game was difficulty was tuned for being released in places like North America because in Japan, rentals were banned, but they weren't banned over here. So they made the game harder 
So that uh, oh. it, it, as a result of the fact that people were going to be renting it and they wanted them to to encourage people to buy it so they would have it longer because it took longer to, to beat, um, which is right. just like an interesting <laughs> way the market interacts with game design, um, which, you know, as we go through the 900th multiverse discussion of difficulty in video games, uh, like it's just yeah. interesting to see like a, a bit like that where it is not always just the case that a game is tuned because a designer wills it. It is it is sometimes influenced because, well, in a part of the world, those fuckers can just go to Blockbuster yeah. and rent it. Um, not anymore, and, though. No. Well, and, <laughs> We've and, and, eliminated and the, game, the scourge of rental and, then, and borrowing. Uh, and and, 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 and the, there was actually like a comic complaint with the Japanese. What? Rentals? Yeah, Netflix is opening a wing or some shit. I heard about this the other day. Oh. What? Yeah, video what game rentals. About? Yeah, next Netflix's next frontier is video game. Uh, huh. Well, is it rentals though? Is right. it like streaming? Streaming. Same. Eh. How do we miss this? I miss this. Why Netflix is getting into video games? They're CNN. real iffy on details right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unclear. It's, it's like is, what is actually happening. <laughs> right. Are they? Are you going to be able to stream? You know, uh, res like. They have a Resident Evil movie. I mean, it would make sense. We're like, they brain have the trust and making choose your own adventure movies now all uh -huh. the time. Right. Well, right, they have, right. they, I mean, they have the Witcher. They have, uh, they have a Resident Evil movie. They just funded a Resident Evil CG anime. It would make some sense. Like, hey, do you want to play Resident Evil? That makes more sense to <laughs> hey, me. Hey, you, you finished Castlevania. Would you like to play Castlevania? Right. Get right. in the game, Alucard. Well, I've, right. I've seen some people say, well, oh, this seems, and I guess it depends on the, the direction that they go. But uh, if what they're trying to do is we're going to make like we're going to make a Strange Things video game, that seems ill advised and a, st a stadia like catastrophe in which yeah. it takes three to four years to build that stuff. But if they are going to, I don't know, license the stadia tech, which is what Google wants companies to do anyway, or any yeah. other number of cloud services and just hook in with the partners that they're working with, especially as they make this pivot to mm -hmm. anime and video games like this is like a huge part of the next like five years of netflix are like those those markets shit that makes it that makes it i could see myself doing i could see myself being like yeah sure is that just part of my <laughs> sub i could just like play resident evil 4 for an hour after yeah, like not? watching like i could do i could see myself doing that sure <laughs> why not anyway that's that interview with uh alex and Yale is on the waypoint plus uh feed um nice. as part of our re-examination of resident evil Cool. Well, you go watch Forever Purge. I'll hold my other names I've written down for what I would have called that movie mm. for our actual conversation. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Can you give us uh, a hint? Make a run for the border? No, no. I no. I, I can't even give a hint because I think it'll spoil my read of the film. Yep. Right. Mm. So All right. Don't worry about well, I it. I feel like you've been saying that gives Waypoint me a plus. hint. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Uh, the Forever Purge Back to Brunch is one of the ones that I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I knew, I knew if, I, if I tempted you, you would if you tempted you, me, yeah, I would go uh, yeah, that's oh. all That's the, I'll save the other ones here alright, well, well, we will Great. reconvene yes, yes uh, so we'll, we will also take a break here and we will reconvene to hear about Company of Heroes 3 from Rob, which I'm very excited about, or very excited to hear about, I guess uh, until then, be right back. Hold up. 
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Rob, I, I didn't expect this week that we would get anything like a, a, a new entry announced and made playable in some some form of a uh, a favorite RTS franchise. And yet here we are, Company of Heroes 3 announced um, Company of Heroes a uh, – is it legendary at this point as, a, as an RTS or is it just a – is it a critical favorite? Is it a – Definitely a critical, critical darling? favorite. I don't think anything yeah. has achieved really like StarCraft levels of no, – No, no, like, no. I wouldn't even put it in that – yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that Company of Heroes had great multiplayer. Yeah. But I don't know that it had the – there was no spectator share. You know, there was no huge – No, I mean, it was um, a major hit uh, in its day. And I think part of that was um, the, the fact that Company of Heroes 1 – we talked a little bit about this on the show last time uh, – was an RTS that pitched itself as, hey, we don't look like other RTSs. We look like, right. co- like Call of Duty. Like, that's yep. how – good the models and graphics are um and so they sold themselves on spectacle and i think that first game did very very well uh and then the second was distinct in terms of feel because of the way the scale of conflict and the focus on tactical infantry engagements yeah intimate i think is the way it's a great way of yeah yeah Yeah, because like if you think about uh a lot of its predecessors uh so like Things like Age of Empires or even like Command and Conquer, it's reductive to say you could just like send huge armies at each other and like fire and yeah, forget. Like totally you still reductive. had to do micro. You but still also, had to like, yeah. 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 But at the same time, like part of those games were definitely about like, you know, quant- uh, quantity had a quality all its own. Uh, that mm. was part of the name of those games. And Company of Heroes was very much like, no, where you position an infantry squad like matters down to like being a few feet off. That will matter. Uh, Like uh, flanking penalties kick in uh, based on the exact angle units are taking incoming fire. And so you get a lot of that stuff. Um, it it borrowed it borrowed from you know you'd say it borrowed from war games in some ways where like yeah, tanks sure. were super vulnerable if you got around to their rear armor. Uh, so mm-hmm. like the the key to taking them out was getting around behind them. And so yeah, that that was, and I, and I think that's a good place to start though because you mentioned saying Company of Heroes One had great multiplayer, and I agree. Yeah. A lot of people also felt it had a great campaign. Now, I never much cared for it because it was really, in my view, kind of bog standard stuff, right? It was a long mm-hmm. campaign. It was well produced. Uh, yeah. They'd lavished a lot of care on cinematics and like uh, like bespoke scenario scripting. But it wasn't like super 
engaging if you liked RTS games, right? Like if you wanted to go play an RTS, the campaign was doing something different where it was like kind of just setting up uh, German positions for you to knock down uh, and play with the various like, you know, toys that the the game gave you. Mm -hmm. And then the multiplayer game was really nothing like uh, single player. The multiplayer game was kind of your, I think it typified some of the things that people find stressful about RTS games. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a game where everything is about capturing control points on the map to yeah. generate resources. And like, uh, it's a rate based economy, but the thing is, uh, which is to say for people who've never played the series and who maybe have played other RTSs, you're not sending out workers to go get lumber or to go get um, magic crystals that will power your economy. Like that's not – instead, you're sending out your infantry units to go capture control points as if you're playing a, a, an FPS game that is yeah. like you know capture or King of the Hill or something like that where there's different zones. And that is what gives you – Oil. It's what gives you. Uh, what are the? What are the? There's like three the fuel, fuel, ammo, and manpower. Am, um, and manpower, right? Yeah. Which all? Which all? Uh, like you need fuel for vehicles. You need manpower for for you know infantry, various infantry units, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. So and also you do still have a base, and you are still constructing units, and you are still going through a tech tree of a sort. Um, but uh, it is a it. It's such a different vibe, and I think you're right that it zeroed in on a lot of what makes some of those. Is this the worst? Am I making the right decision? If you don't, if you don't know a map really well or know the rhythm of, of this specific game, I remember starting Company of Heroes and feeling like the the, the stupidest person alive every yeah. every every game until I really got it. You know? Yeah, and I think there's things where, be especially because uh, the unit count is fairly low. You really can't mm-hmm. be everywhere, and so you have to just let parts of the map go. Like you'll be notified, "Hey, the enemy is is taking one of our positions," and you got to immediately know, like, "Can I intervene there? Do I even want to? Because if they're there, right. I can go somewhere else." And so, like, Company of Heroes felt like um, a really like challenging whack a mole in some ways, where it was like you're playing whack a mole with like mm-hmm. tanks and infantry and such, uh, and it could be really hectic um and also really really good like when i when i was at my best in multiplayer uh it was like you get a little bit of a high off of like winning a match like that because you were so focused in uh for, for right. the duration of the match but it also meant that you know if you just wanted to play around with world war ii shit um you know it was it was kind of like like a lot of rts's way less uh accessible i think uh, than the campaign, but the campaign, you know, they were kind of rote scenarios, and once you finished mm-hmm. it, you were done. Uh, Company of Heroes 3 is doing something really different with that split between single player and multiplayer. Uh, the, the big thing that they're they're doing is that the campaign is now like a dynamic campaign. It has a st- uh, strategy layer. And it looks a lot like a Total War map to me. Yep. Um, uh, in terms of there being a vast map, so this is what it's—it's it's North Africa and Italy. Yep, is that the, those are the, the areas? Uh, it's a World War Two game. <laughs> it's a World War Two game. If you didn't know, I guess we didn't say that out loud. Um, and yeah, are you? Are you? You tell me. You've 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 played this now, but like my first blush is like, oh, this is Total War. Yeah. So 
interestingly enough, um, Relic. Also, this is early access. You're playing an early access version. Yeah. And now pretty much I, I think anyone can. Uh, right. Like yeah, I think that's true. Up. Um, which is also interesting. It's like they are now fully embracing being part of like the Sega strategy division. And so they're pretty frank about like talking to Creative Assembly about right. uh, strategic mode. And they're very frank about talking to um I, I think I think we we had a couple developers uh on Three Moves Ahead this week. Uh so you go listen to that, uh through movesahead.net. Uh, but I think they talked about using some of the playtesters that Amplitude have really liked working it, this with. This whole model is the Amplitude model, yes. right? When you when I looked at the – that's what's blowing my mind a little bit about this and thinking about Sega as the premier Western uh, strategy publisher at this point, is, which is a weird thing to think about. Um, from – it's what you just said. This looks like a total war game in terms of its campaign and the way that they talked about – the way they are doing their early access stuff, which is not through, it's not, I mean, is it even, it's not through Steam directly. You can't go to the Steam page and just hit download. You have to go and link your Relic account, which I don't know my Relic account stuff, but like to their <laughs> fan whatever page. Um, and then on that page is a lot of language that reminded me so much of what Amplitude has done or did with uh, Endless Space Two, and I, I want to say maybe they also did it back with Endless Legend. Well, they're doing but, it with Humankind. Humankind is that they're a doing with Humankind now? Early access right. Windows. Okay, okay, yes. Um, and, and uh, I guess they use it. Okay, it's called Games Together. Was the Amplitude model? And I guess I don't know if that's also specifically what is is being used for Company of Heroes. They've got a cutesy branding similar. on it when you launch it. It's co-development. Right. Okay. Okay, so that's, but it's basically the same thing. That's basic. That's funny. That's cute. C O H development, yeah. co development. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the, the basic thing being, this will the way Amplitude has always talked about this in my experience has been about like you get a higher level of engagement from this style of early access player because they've gone through the extra steps of signing up on a different website. They didn't just hit download on Steam. They are like on a on a website that has its own built-in forms and its own built-in tools for suggestions that tracks individual suggestions and different ideas um uh and like that's the sort of pre-alpha setup that it's that it's yeah this looks rob this looks identical to the the game together page if i just like send a quick screenshot to you both uh uh you'll see that this is the like the gray frame around the window yeah. uh, with the same exact like drop down thing and the gift icon in the top right. And it's the same platform. It just has a different yeah. name. <laughs> That's so fascinating to me. God. Um, so. And the, and the thing is, like. I, I am kind of curious how this all pans out. I honestly think Humankind, which is coming out next month, is going to be kind of a yeah. test for this because this feels like the most mm -hmm. ambitious they've been with it. And mm -hmm. I've kind of wondered, like, I feel like the hype for that thing built and crested and kind of tapered yeah. uh, well before yeah. this thing is is uh, rolling out of the garage. So I'm kind of curious, like, what the uh, proof will be in that particular pudding. Um, but it seems like Relic are not like they are also this is not some sort of dog and pony show where it's like we're going to let you weigh in. And then right, right, the game right. is substantially like complete, um, even though this game looks pretty far along. It is, they are not targeting release date uh, until like about a year or more away. 
Uh, so we're talking about like fall 2022. And there's plenty of time to, to, to go in there and make, and make some pretty big changes so long as that core foundation is in place right now. Yeah. And like, and again, uh, through Zed.net, uh, you know, in our interview, they've already, <laughs> they, they talked frankly about like things that I played and things that I think are still in the, uh, like pre alpha that people can play this week are already kind of marked for death. Um, right. so like, I'll give you an example in a second because it'll make sense in context, but like they've already gotten feedback where it's like, woof, players are not digging this. <laughs> uh, and so like parts of it are going to be like overhauled. Um, so we're going to have like a year of these sort of early access, uh, stages that, that we go through. Um, and right now what, what's available is the single player campaign. So, uh, let's talk about what that is. You said it looks like total war. Um, and that's true. Like cosmetically, you, mm-hmm. you do not have the management layer of a total war. Like it's not like, which makes sense. You're commanding like the, uh, the Western allies, in the Italian campaign, but it's not like you're you're running America or the Commonwealth, and like you know, what am I going to build? Where am I going to uh, invest resources and in creating right, like research? Right, sure. But what you have, and I think this is kind of smart. They've kind of got the two structures of the game echoing each other. Um, so the strategic map uh, in the bit you can play, it's right after uh, like the Allies have captured Naples and are driving toward Monte Cassino. Uh, which just became this like horrible stalemate uh, for like a mm-hmm. six months in uh, the Italian campaign. And first, because it's amphibious, uh, it's, an, it's an amphibious invasion. Everything sort of got a lifeline uh, back to the uh, home countries. Um, you place orders for stuff uh, to be delivered to your port, but the biggest stuff is like on a shipping delay. Like, if oh. you need to be like, uh, I need more tanks. I'm ordering up another armored company. They're like, you're going to have to let three turns go by before those tanks show up. So I hope you don't need them like okay. immediately because they're just not going to get here. <laughs> right. Um, but the way you collect, uh, increase your sort of resource income rate on the strategic layer is the same way you do it in the RTS layer. Like it, different towns on this uh strategic gotcha. map of Italy one will be marked with like it has ammo one has one has gas does it make any real sense absolutely not um it's it's not but like- it also makes the most sense in the world in terms of lay in terms of zooming out and extending the the gameplay meta it already didn't make sense rob it already didn't make sense yeah. on the tactical layer right. that i was getting a radio and that was increasing or like a radio station that was increasing my manpower <laughs> or that i kept like i there built a box just, on a fuel point now i get more I, fuel now i get more fuel that's not how it ever worked so that that but that that sort of uh metaphor for warfare and and resource control and supply lines was always abstracted in, in, a, in a fun way. So yeah, why not zoom it out a little bit and do it where if I take over this southern Italian town, I get more bullets. Uh, and yeah, and the other thing is uh, the fog of war is pretty dense on this. And so like you can see the whole map, but you have mm-hmm. no idea like where the Germans actually are. Like, you know, they're out there somewhere, but like right, right. Uh, as you expand your beachhead and you start entering different valleys, like you kind of have to guess at what you think you might be running into. And uh, your primary tool for this are the companies themselves, uh, company of heroes. The company is sort of your base level unit. 
and they are basically what pass for um like i guess the way i put it is uh they're like your character class so there are armies and then there are companies so like there is an american army and that's kind of your baseline faction stuff Mm -hmm. and then the company you choose has special units and special abilities that are unique to that company. So it like draws from a common pool of army shit, and then it has its own specializations and special units. Uh, in this campaign, like the Brits are bringing all the heavy shit. The uh, Commonwealth, and I, sh- I shouldn't say Brits because they're very clear uh, this is a Commonwealth force. And indeed, like the Italian campaign, maybe more than anywhere else, everyone showed up. Uh, right, like right. free French Algerian troops, uh, like were part of that campaign. Uh, like Australian New Zealand mm-hmm. uh, armored uh, units were key to it. Um, and one of the units that I used pretty extensively was uh, an Indian artillery company, uh, where you had like lots of heavy artillery, um, mm-hmm. that you could just use to drop massive AOE attacks. Um, like it's like an orbital bombardment, basically like right, just turn right. this entire section of the map inside out. And then the unique infantry you had were, uh, like Gurkhas, uh, who are like elite Nepalese, uh, like infantry. Mm-hmm. And so they would sort of do really fast dash in and mop up, uh, after those barrages. Um, and so the, the Brits had like basically the army and the artillery, the, the Commonwealth, And then the U.S. had special forces and, Uh um, like, paratroopers. I would say airborne, right? Like, any of that style of, yeah. When I think about past Company of Hero games, I think a lot about the the airborne company in COH. I think that was one, but they're probably in two, too, where you had a combination of both being able to just paratroop in and immediately kind of reinforce an area of the map, or the opposite, which was, like, calling in a bomber to just devastate an enemy encampment before you push in with your land troops. Yeah. Um, or to like finish knocking out a, a or, or to knock out an incoming or weaken up an incoming uh, push from, from the enemy. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that, so is it, is it those, is it, or how many companies are playable at this point across? Uh, four. Okay. Uh, so it's special two forces. Two, basically. Yeah. It's the or ones it I'm four? named. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, gotcha. but now on the on the campaign layer, you can also further customize them, uh, where they will have gotcha. like special abilities and buffs that are activated. Um, and so as the gain experience, you can sort of pour more uh, like resources into them uh, to sort of upgrade them. Um, so a veteran company is way way stronger uh, than one that's like sort of fresh off the transports. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is. As you advance into enemy territory, the longer you go without sort of capturing the the hub in that territory, um, yeah. your units are out of supply. They steadily lose strength uh, mm-hmm. in hostile territory until they basically flip the territory uh, in their favor. And where that comes in is basically like relative strength is like it's handicapping the difficulty of the battle you fight. And so if you go in with full strength and the enemy is uh, at like reduced strength, um, like they will have, so it's like, it's like a domination mode in battlefield. This is sort of the, this is generally what company of heroes multiplayer has been um, where you're trying to like reduce their tickets by like commanding more uh, like key locations. 
uh, victory locations. And so if you have like the stronger force, you have more tickets, you have basically a greater margin for error and the enemy has fewer, like they are closer to just being like wiped out on the, on the RTS match uh, than you are. If you are uh, like on your last legs, then you kind of start from a position of like, well, I really kind of have to put up, put up a flawless defense here. Um, And so that's kind of, a nifty way that they've uh, solved this. And I think this is um, this, I think has been brought over from a similar gesture relic made in this direction with company of heroes Two, um, the Ardan assault uh, like campaign, which Mm -hmm. didn't have a proper strategic layer, but did have sort of a dynamic, like pick your next battle. And based on your choices, uh, the shape of those battles would, would change uh, pretty considerably. So, the strategic layer like matters on on, on that level, uh, and right. like so, if you're trying to do an end run around German lines and going through like the Italian countryside, your forces are like kind of steadily getting whittled down uh, just as they advance through these like long, uh, empty valleys trying to capture these uh, key hubs, and then eventually, as you you know, as you push further and further in, uh, your odds are running into uh, German forces uh, in increase, um, and so you go from sort of mopping up garrison. Uh, details to facing down like actual like panzer divisions um and yeah the the way these two things tie together um it's kind of twofold you get special missions that can set up like scripted missions uh so you'll get one where it's like the italian partisans need your help and you got to go like rescue a band of italian partisans and if you do a good enough job, um, the partisans will, I think you might get some bonuses, but either way, if you save the partisans, uh, as long as you hold their base uh, and doesn't get like retaken by the Germans, um, you will be able to send partisan missions out behind enemy lines. And so you can be like, cool. this turn, I want the partisans to shadow this enemy unit and just give me like clear the fog right. of war around this enemy unit so I can keep tabs on it. Or I want you to freeze this enemy unit uh, and lock it down using like harassment tactics. Um, and so that's where like stuff like that comes in. Uh, ditto, like if you capture airfields, you can spend money to pack those airfields full of like recon planes or mm-hmm. fighter bombers, or as you sort of alluded to, Austin, carpet bombing uh, like right. squadrons that you can use to either do airstrikes. Um, like on the strategic map and just like do like straight point damage, or you can be there in the mission and like based on what right. is available in theater, uh, suddenly you'll have a little like, uh, you know, cooldown button, a hotbar button that's like, hey, you want to just send the Liberator Squadron over and like hammer these guys? And it's like, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Right. That's really cool. So I guess that was my next question I was like, how much is the. Uh, I hadn't thought about it, but you had said earlier, if you want more tanks, you have to put in the call to base you know or to 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 you know hq whether there'll be a three-turn delay but i realized like wait that's not where tanks come from in company of heroes tanks come from my motor pool or whatever when i get enough fuel on the map but like am i rolling when you say i have more tanks does that mean i'm rolling into a map with those tanks already what's what's that mean talk to me no so i mean like summoning a new tank company will require like a three-day delay on the map You'll you'll be bringing your tanks in from the motor pool, um, like normal. Okay, so but I have a unit on the strategic layer, on the theater layer. I have a tank. Yes, I have a tank company. 
I moved that tank company into a small Italian town <laughs> that currently is occupied by by German infantry. Yeah. What happened? Does the game at that point zoom in yep. and say you're going into you an like RTS this- battle? I'm going and at the start of that, am I now playing that as a tank company yep. with all of the tank? So I'm playing, in fact, all of the different companies. In this, or multiple different companies in this game versus more the traditional. I've chosen this. This is the company, right? Yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay, and so that means you have all your abilities that the tank company would have. You have that that tech tree. You have those extra vehicles and special units for that battle because that's who's initiated the fight. Right, and there's something I need to stage because it occurs to me I didn't try this out, but I'm curious how it would go. So. If friendly units are in the vicinity of the combat, they can contribute bonuses. Yeah. I don't know what happens if you engage, like, if you have your Commonwealth tanks and Commonwealth artillery engaged yeah. together, do I get both? I don't think I do. I think you, I think you get bonuses maybe from one. Uh, but this is where things get muddy. They also have these things that were, like, detachments that are sub-company special units that exist on the strategic layer, but if they get in a fight, an RTS battle doesn't happen. Um, no. They can fight. It just the- resolves the way like a, a, a war game fight would, where you're just moving those pieces at the tactical layer. Or at the, sorry, at the strategic layer, yeah. and it resolves. Yeah. It does like, huh. And apparently, that's that that's nobody likes that. Um, because they want to zoom in all the time. No, it's more, in the process of playing it, they felt fiddly, um, okay. and the way they interacted with the actual RTS layer wasn't, like, super intuitive. Like, sometimes I was mm-hmm. like, shouldn't I have gotten a bonus from this detachment being nearby? Uh, and maybe it's just too far away or something, but they just felt very inconsistent in what they're actually accomplishing. Right, and a right. lot of the way they existed on the map was, like, the Germans scatter infantry detachments all around the map, and so you'll just be trying to, like, walk around a corner, like go into the next valley or like cross a bridge and you will just get like straight damage on the strategic mm-hmm. layer because you got ambushed by like a German partisan uh, or, or a German like light infantry detachment that you don't fight an RTS battle. You just absorb damage. Um, and then you're, you know, kind of just left to brush these guys aside with like artillery uh, barrages. Um, your companies can engage them and auto calculates like how much damage you'll take versus how much damage they will take. Right. And right. so it's kind of like auto resolving in total war. Detachments can yep. only auto resolve, whereas companies, when they huh. engage, uh, like fight a proper RTS battle. Um, and so that's that's kind of how that that fits together. And so the the campaign structure has this mix of like scripted missions that pop up and then also um like just rts battles that pop up when you know your armored company runs into a german armored company now you have a very familiar company of heroes scenario these two companies are going to go at it uh on an rts map right and that's how it's gonna go and that is the part of the game they have not really messed with that much that's pretty like familiar stuff the difference being they're trying to make it so that you don't have to like be good at company of heroes to like enjoy this, right. um, which sounds arch, but it's like company of heroes. Multiplayer is such a demanding, like full body experience in some ways. Like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big time, big time. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you are not over exaggerating that. There is like a, I'm using all of my brain 
I'm using all of my all of my function yeah. is being used by this, which is part of the joy of it. I've said this before, but one of the things I get out of video games is like my brain can't do anything else but the video game when I'm playing one that I really like and it really activates. And Company of Heroes is like doing laps in your brain, um, so I which I like yeah. quite a bit. But sometimes would, well, you do just want to be like, I just yeah. want to play around with like tactics and I want yeah. to sort of lean back for me, there's kind of lean back and lean forward games, right? Right. And right. Company of Heroes multiplayer is kind of a lean forward, like your 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 body increasingly just separates from the chair as you like <laughs> will yourself closer to the, the until you're the just monitor. kind of in a squat, standing above yeah. your desk. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, yes. Whereas, like you know, if you're playing when things are well in hand in XCOM, you might be leaning yes. back. Just oh, we lean back a lot in the back half of that yep. campaign. Enjoying a beverage, feet up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. You're right. So they're kind of. This is lean all the way forward. Yeah. They're kind of making it possible for you to choose your own level of involvement. Um, Mm, I see. And it's not like. The thing they're letting you do is they've introduced like like a paradox game. They're sort of tactical pause. You just hit pause. The action stops. You can issue orders. Wait, in in combat? Yeah. In wow, that's like huge. I don't uh, like I don't think uh, that will exist. I don't think it could exist. No, it in exist in multi. No, no, no. But, but I love that it exists in single player. Yeah. Uh, did they do so, that in Dawn of Did Dawn of War two or three have a tactical pause? Oh God, I, this is that. What don't did I play that? that. Had, I oh, you know what I'm. Games. You know what I'm thinking of is um, there was that game that was sort of like inspired by the original Syndicate. Uh, that was like a cyberpunk tactics yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it on uh, was Three Moves Ahead. Uh, where, where, three Moves Ahead.net? Satellite that? Rain. Satellite Rain. Satellite Rain had a tactical pause, right? Yeah. Or it didn't. It didn't have a tactical pause. It had a character who had an ability that was doing a tactical pause. <laughs> it was It was buried in a specific member of your squad who could do it. Um, I remember this now. But I remember thinking, this is good. I like playing a tactics game that has a tactical pause. And I think that I might like that addition makes me think I would play. I could play more of company of heroes three than I otherwise would. If it, if it lives through the, the, uh, the, the early access alpha stuff, you know? Yeah. I can't I mean, imagine they take it out. No. And I think I am not I, one of these like RTS doomers. Um, <laughs> I think, like I think it's a genre that ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. Um, I think though that Relic have identified something key, which is that there's a lot of cool things in a lot of RTS games that are only accessible to people who achieve a relatively high level of skill because yep. you just do not have the bandwidth to realize like this is the moment to use that ability. This is the moment to use that power. Um, and if you don't get comfortable with that stuff, you don't even fully like grok how it interacts with the game. Like you don't even fully understand like game balance until right. you've seen like what happens when two units are able to like use their whole uh, kit against each other. That's even, I think more true in company of heroes where like, this is a game where you will be hand siding artillery pieces. Um, like, uh, right. you know, a machine gun, uh, team has a field of fire that you need to carefully like plot out like yeah. where do i think the enemy is coming from if you get that wrong uh you're gonna watch them get flanked and wrecked if you get it right you're gonna watch them just chew the enemy up 
And the game has a million decisions like that at high speed. Yeah. And well, and the thing that's interesting about it is I Company of Heroes you're making all those decisions at once in terms of the setup. And that setup can also include aggressive setup where you go, okay, I'm going to move both this unit, this infantry unit with a flamethrower and also this Grenadier unit forward to try to put pressure on this this area. But there's a lot of there's a lot of lean forward, and then I guess you never get to sit back. But the part of the joy of playing Company of Heroes for me is setting up the machine gun nest, setting up the correct field of fire, and then just seeing it absolutely obliterate uh, a group of enemies who, who happen to need to retreat past it or something like that. And so I, the tactical pause version of this makes so much sense to me. Because it starts to feel like setting up really good over a really good Overwatch turn in <laughs> XCOM or something, yeah. where you're like, "All right, motherfuckers, get ready! Like, I'm gonna get everything plotted out in the right way, and then I'm gonna hit go, and then all of this." Like, if Company of Heroes could, Company of Heroes already feels turn based in some way because of the way I think the elemental way the game works with it's not a tile based game, but the cover positions are. Uh, are discrete in that way. Um, the ways in which there are hard counters. I mean, RTS games have our hard counters all over the place, but it's always felt, it's always had that feeling to, to me in a way that something like Warcraft or Starcraft or, uh, uh, you know, whatever else, Total Annihilation or any other RTS that I've put time into, um, Age of Empires. Age of Empires does not feel like, I've set up my, I, you know, you do a lot of base building in Age of Empires, but it's not the same thing as like putting up, uh, feeling that the feeling you do in a, in, in a game of like Warhammer 40k, where I've put a unit on the board and I know that it will come into play when the, the, you know, w- when the moment strikes, it will, it will activate in the right way. Um, and that, that's interesting. This is, this is, this is like opening. You can hear me galaxy braining my hopes for, for Company of Heroes 3 as I start thinking about it as a game that I can hit pause in, which is not a thing I've thought about. And obviously, obviously that won't mean that I'll be any good multiplayer ever again because I just don't have those skills anymore. But I did not think I would be the person for a Company of Heroes 3 campaign. And suddenly I actually think I might be. Yeah. I mean, it's, I have been so I was trying to refresh myself on the arc of Relic in some ways in the last couple of weeks. Sure. Uh and so I went back and I played Co One, Co Two. Um this is very consistent with those. I think Co Two is not as well liked. Um, but I think so much of that is down to I think tactically the games are very similar. I, I, I stand, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I still think uh, the RTS stuff is very similar. It is so Company of Heroes two when you fire it up, it is so interested and fixated on selling you cosmetics and shit. Like it is, it right. is full of like unlockables and yeah, it's uh, that era, like, right? Yeah. And the whole game was kind of set up around that notion of like you're gonna fire up Company of Heroes and you're gonna play and you're gonna get a new like skin for your uh you know uh Firefly Sherman or something like that. It was full of stuff like that. Right. And to the point where like the game's interface uh on a base level will be messy forever because so much real estate is dedicated to like, hey, here's what you can buy, which 
which button do you want that will be your portal to a different company of heroes experience? Uh, by the way, you can buy stuff. Um, and company of heroes one really was, was not like that. And I think this, this sort of trend reached its peak yeah. with, um, Dawn of war three, which like basically crashed on takeoff and, and ended Ugh. that, uh, franchise. Uh, I think there were, I think there were some cool ideas there. Um, but, when you go back to that, it is so clear that they built this, like, uh, they built a mall for, to- <laughs> for, for Dawn of War, right? They, yeah. they were like, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna want to tweak your, uh, you know, hero units and we got unlockables galore. Uh, so it'll be a lot, it'll be really sticky. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of slow progression systems. Um, and people will love that. And people hated it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is a lot more in tune with what I think reasonably people will be looking for from an RTS, which I think the the where Relic lost their way a little bit was, and I get why they did this. There was this window where you would look across the way at what, what was happening with like a League of Legends or something. Yeah. And you would think people just love grinding and they love playing the same thing again and again and getting a cosmetic or unlocking Mm -hmm. a new hero or stuff like that. That's what people like. We should introduce that into RTSs, except RTS players, like despite the common origin, the audiences really did diverge. Nobody won RTS that operates that way, but this feels a lot more in tune with like, well, what might an RTS player want? Um, well, it's been proven pretty substantially that like why is Total War so successful? Because people love battles, but they love those battles to have a context. And introducing that to Company of Heroes is really smart. And if you build a good campaign that can go a lot of different ways, um, you could create one that people are like, Great, I finished one run, uh, like, you know, conquering Italy uh and and toppling the fascists. Uh-huh. Now I'm gonna do it again, but a different way. Right. Um, because there are like little like choice moments and inflection moments like built into this campaign. So I'm really curious uh, how this all unfolds. But I think the instinct of like how do we make it so that people can play high level of co- company of heroes, make those high level decisions without being high level players. Yeah, that seems like a really critical insight. Uh, yeah, for great. like where the connection between RTS design and its audience is often broken down. This is the thing of like, there are so many people who I think could connect to this game and have a great time with it because they love chess, because they love tactical, you know, uh, uh, tactical war games or, t- or tactical board games or tactical RPGs, right? There are XCOM people who I think could really get a lot out of Company of Heroes if it, if the pa- the onboarding was good enough. And again, this, the notion of the tactical pause lets them look at the whole map and make decisions the way they would in a slower game. Um, the fact that that's opening up, I mean, obviously we're in the middle of a bunch of difficulty discourse, but I think that like this is a, a, a really interesting, quick illustration of the ways in which the inclusion of something like that opens up the joys of the game to a bunch of new people. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I, hope it, I hope it works out for them. Uh, I will probably not touch this in this early access stage. I will wait until it's done because otherwise I will play it for four hours in early access and then never touch it again. <laughs> um, so, 
thank you for doing the deep dive and and uh, are you are you uh do you see yourself like sticking with it over the next little bit or, or like just checking in now and then no i think i'm with you like it's a it's a really generous slice of the game um, right i played it i think it's good um i don't think uh, like i think the things that are clunky at this stage make it a far less fun game than it will be and mm-hmm. like i don't think my thirst is so intense that i'm like you know i'm gonna play this really slow version of this game that i think is shaping up really nicely um but i'm gonna put up with these potential crashes and like this long slog uh just again and again i'm trying to put it on a shelf i'll check out the next build for sure yeah Um, yeah why not but yeah i'm uh but i think it's it's worth checking out if you've just been sort of looking for uh if you if you feel that company of heroes nostalgia um this this only scratches it It launched me into a Retro, right, I've been revisiting right. all of them now. Right, right. Totally. I would say it's been, the last one was 2013, so it's been a minute, um, which mm. is which is truly wild to think about, honestly, uh, in, my, in my approximation. Um, we're going to take a quick dip in the question bucket before we wrap up. How yeah. do you feel about that? Okay. I've been doing a bad job marking what questions I've, I've answered, so. All right, well, if I answer, if I ask one, you'll have to, did you yeah. answer this one about pasta, pasta no. rankings? All right. Pasta passionate and the pan panis Hmm. <laughs> pan Cisco Payperia writes. Mm. What are your personal pasta power rankings? Spaghetti is not an option, too basic. And the stuffed boys, ravioli, tortellini, must be given specific flavors if they are to be ranked. Also, we can all assume that Bucatini, spaghetti's overhyped fail son, is at the bottom of everyone's list. Wow. wow. Out the gate. Out the gate. Rude. Um, yeah, extremely rude. Uh, <laughs> I I love Facili. Facili is my number one. It makes me, it makes, I know that that's like a childish thing because it's the swirly one. It's the little corkscrew pasta. That's a good one, though. But I love it. But I love it. So, um, got good, good, good uh, spaces for uh, sauce holds, to yeah, hit. Yeah, it holds the sauce mm. in such a good way. Um, that's my number one. I have to sit with number two. I think number two might be penne. I really like penne. As again, like I think that the, the the form holds a different type of sauce really well, and it coats really nicely. It's a more of a coating pasta than a sauce holding pasta. Do you know what I mean? So, um, a lighter sauce, though. I just kind of want the whole thing to be uh, sort of tossed in it more than covered in it. Is I'm a penne person. Nice. Um, how about you, Kata? What do you think? I've got a que- an answer that I think is technically yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Go for it. Uh, lasagna. Yeah. Lasagna. Lasagna is up there. Lasagna, <laughs> you you got it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Because is lasagna a type? Yes. I mean, the answer yeah. is yes. Yeah. The, there's pasta. The rules didn't the- say shit about pasta. Yeah. Or about lasagna. So it's pasta. It's pasta. There's pasta. In it's there. a. The thing is, it's it's. That form for lasagna is perfect. The, the yeah. lasagna. The lasagna form. Yeah, it's the only the way you can make form. lasagna pasta. But yeah, I don't know that I would use it in any other. I don't know that it sheets up. It's just it sheets, sheets of pasta. pasta. Yeah, it's great. It's great because then you it's just great. put what you want in there. Um, I do love like, just like a classic meat lasagna, though. Uh, it's uh, so good. Simple I would eat some of that meat, right now. ricotta, yeah. sauce, tomato sauce. Yep. Forget about it. Tomato it's sauce. great. Yeah. It's fucking. I love it so much. Fucking Garfield over here. 
Let's go. <laughs> Hate Monday's love lasagna. Yeah. Rob. Well, Rob is really considering. Rob no, has, I think so. I think we often make the mistake of conceding ground to the letter writer uh, because obviously you wrote a letter. You must know what you're talking about. Um, but I think the the Bucatini slander is pretty discrediting. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that on top of the like Pan Francisco uh, thing. I see. Makes yeah. me think that what we got here is a Bay Area poser. Uh, Ooh, where it's like, wow. oh man, like you know, I'm I'm all into the great Italian food because uh, you know San Francisco has got that great Italian uh, Italian community. I'm off to Ghirardelli Square to get some classy chocolate. It's fucking Ghirardelli. Uh, so I am not so sure uh, that this I am is... going to concede that Bucatini doesn't rule. Um, I do like a thicker spaghetti. Uh, so like. Um, so of course you like a bucatini, then. right? Yeah, like I don't want that thin spaghetti. Um, like if yeah. if we're going by you're like not an a angel the, hair person, you're not a yeah, yeah. no, because because I like because my favorite pasta dish is uh, carbonara. Yeah, sure. and that yes. you, sure. you kind of want it to hold up to it, a little yeah. bit of frying, and uh, yeah. Um, however, if I'm, I'm also going to toss this out. I understand why we're not considering uh, Naki for this, because it is kind of its own thing. Right. But yeah. good Naki is real good. Yeah. Um, and like deserves I think we consider it. I think that you're allowed. I, I'm gonna again, we the rules look, came in as they are. You look can, up yes. you look up gnocchi and it absolutely is gonna say potato pasta in like the definition. Correct. Pasta's right there. It absolutely has to. No wait, people are calling them dumplings. What the fuck? Dumplings are calling what them the dumplings. What the fuck? Huh? Huh? See, I, things get. Hold on. I and think also, risotto risotto is more of a dumpling in my mind because aren't dumplings supposed to be like stuffed? You don't stuff a gnocchi. What's the, oh. what's, a, what's the definition of a dumpling? Then? A broad class of dishes mind, that consists of pieces of dough wrapped around yes. a filling, or of dough filling. with no filling. That of do, that last bit of dough with no filling, I have never, never, never. called I, something yeah. like that a dumpling. Like ravioli is a like, dumpling. Ravioli is a dumpling. Yeah, yeah ravioli is more dumplingy for me than the gnocchi. What? <laughs> I also weird. the humble uh, orecchietta is this one, just, just a little, just little ears a little shells a little like it's oh a little yeah those are like, great yeah the little shells yeah. a little yeah yeah little shells not but i mean shells also great yeah, uh but, but, but the little, little the little shells yeah, yeah they're good real yeah. good little cups full little like they get a little bit of sauce in them yeah uh, definitely and again fry it beautifully but like my other favorite pasta dish is um uh orecchietta and italian sausage and um rapini uh, mm -hmm. Sort of, and you can hold the sausage mm -hmm. like just frying up uh, some blanched rapini uh, with uh, rachietta is really delicious. Apologies yeah. if I'm butchering pronunciation. I was gonna. I'm not, was... I'm not from Pan Francisco. <laughs> Please, Pan Francisco. They didn't even do. They didn't do Pan Francisco. They did peas all the way through. So it's pasta all the way down. You know, pasta all the way down. Um. God, I wish I, I do wish I knew which of these you read. And also, I wish I'd done a better job of 
grabbing the ones that I wanted to read. I, I had a bunch that I was like, I want to read these ones. Uh, and then I got, I got, I didn't, I didn't come here last on Monday, so it didn't, <laughs> it didn't happen. Um, actually, can someone explain to me what the, the ketchup on French fries disaster was? I got like three emails. It was a disaster. It yeah, was just, fine. people asked our opinion yeah. for like, do you put like, there's that, there's like you get basket of fries. Yeah. Some yeah, places yeah, yeah. just squeeze the ketchup all oh. over the top of the basket. Yeah. And you just eat them. And we had feelings about that. I see what you're saying. Uh, we had this in from Jacob from the UK. I'm sure you've had a flood of emails coming in over the last few days about the ketchup on fries fiasco. So here's my contribution. <laughs> There's a significant form factor that's been missing from the conversation that needs to be remedied. In the UK, we tend to define between fries and chips. Thin burger mm. restaurant uh, style fries are fries. Anything more substantial are chips. Only a monster would soak their, soak their fries in sauce. Frankly, fries are a better vehicle for, for herbs and spices anyway. Shout out to a local restaurant's masala fries. Chips tend to be eaten from the paper they are wrapped in, and this gives a really good spread of chips, which means that you can and should cover them in whatever sauce you desire. They never get sodden with sauce because they are thicker, and you tend to eat them on the go. So like Kato says, that's the only way you're going to get sauce with them. Yeah. My, one, my only big caveat with them is that the best way to eat chips is soaked in as much salt and vinegar as possible. If you're eating from a tray, this means you get you also get to drink the vinegar afterwards. You're all fab, Jacob. Hmm. I like salt and vinegar on chips or on I like on, I mean, malt on fries. Vinegar. Fuck malt vinegar. I don't know fries. about drinking the it's, end though. Yeah, that's. A I have a much. good friend who <laughs> drinks. I have a good friend who has a child would straight up drink malt vinegar from the packet. Damn. At at the shop. Hell that's how yeah. much. Wow. That's how good it was for, for them. Uh huh. Absolutely. My favorite is definitely a spiced fry. This is a this is a thing I would get regularly in Baltimore. Was uh yeah Old Bay fries with drizzled with oh uh, sure with malt vinegar on top. Ooh, so fucking so good. good. The that closest you so can good. find like widely is if you go to Five Guys and get their Cajun yeah, fries yeah, their and put Cajun the malt vinegar right. on it. That's almost there. But you know, yeah. Old Bay is special. <laughs> Old Bay is so good. I love it. Um. Fucking the grocery uh, so store across the street started selling it. I'm I'm in heaven now. Oh, Old Bay, yeah, yeah. I mean, you see it. Is that places. not widely available? Yeah, yeah, yeah you see, see it places. Seems, yeah. But um, it's just like literally ten steps from my door. I can now get some Old now Bay whenever I need it. You can it. just get it. You just yeah. have it in the in yeah. the rotation in that way. I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. Uh, one second. Let me come back through here. Um, I've got. There's a lo- Rob. Did you see this long email about cables? No. I'm not going to read it because it's so long. Oh, great. JS sent us a long cable. I'm just going to I'm going to just read the, the first. I'm going to start it. You tell me when you want me to stop. How about that? Because this is really for you. And you just tell me when you think you've had enough. I appreciate Rob's expressions of excitement towards rewiring hysteria, but I fear he might be disappointed if he jumps in too quickly. Without assessing the changes he wants to make in the character of his sound system, Rob could leave himself, his partner, and Mina in a difficult situation. That is why I must ask the question, does Rob know the difference a cable can make? In my experience, a cable can alter the overall sound of a stereo. The types of metal connectors, shielding, dielectric coating, and the metal in the plugs are all important. This does not necessarily mean paying a high price. What really matters is the type of sound a person wants to achieve. For example, some cables can soften hard, edgy amplifiers, while others can enhance dynamic contrast and bass articulation in overly smooth turntables. 
a cable can make voices sound more expressive or make large ensembles more diffused or focused. These changes in sound are not limited to RCA interconnects and speaker wire. I actually experienced variations in sound between digital cords and noticed the most significant differences between power cords. Yeah, Adding up yes. these many cable types can seem pricey, but budget brands like Belden, Copper Color, and Vort and Votex can run the gamut in terms of varying sound characteristics. I also do not want to overstate the importance of wires, as some people do not notice any difference in their sound. The relationship between the room, speaker, amplifier, and source components are still the most crucial parts in creating a cohesive system. So, Rob, do you know what character of sound you are searching for? Do you believe in cables? Will you become a cable enthusiast? Or are cables <laughs> a step too far? There is no wrong answer. Thanks, JS. We got through the whole thing. Yeah. Kyle, do you agree with some of that? Yo, power power is important when it comes to audio. It's all electricity. Well, and so depending yes. on the shielding you have on power, like it can yes. change how things sound, especially when you have Well, we don't want line noise. Well, obviously, obviously. But there's We're even all agreed, a, no line no, noise. Yeah, nobody. Well, that's a baseline. Nobody wants line yeah. noise. But mm-hmm. yeah, depending on, especially if those cables are running near other cables specifically, the amount of shielding and can cause like mm. a difference in tone uh, yes. depending on how sensitive the equipment is, right? There is a certain kind of baseline consumer product where it doesn't fucking matter, but you've stepped beyond that, Rob, right? You've got those <laughs> speakers. They will probably be affected by these small uh, incremental changes in whatever, uh, you know, what, whatever uh, configuration you end up in. So, regarding the, uh, re- regarding the Carver speakers... Those came with very special cables right. uh, that MK's dad had. Like these things are very well shielded, mm-hmm. and they have very substantial, nay, inconveniently substantial uh, yeah. plugs. Oh, good. So, <laughs> I, like, they are—they're like each of them is coated in like a quarter inch of. Uh, like really dense, like rubber or plastic, yeah, or like rubberized plastic. So they're Important. extremely um <laughs> shielded. As for everything else, I didn't skimp. I went with a larger gauge uh speaker cable for my uh rears. Um, and so like I'm not picking up uh any like uh you know radio interference. I the notion of like cleaning up. Right now, there's a bit of a rat's nest back there, and they're probably the the concern about where power is flowing and its proximity to things yeah. may be well founded. Uh, <laughs> but everyone can relax. I'm pulling this all apart. Right. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's good. Like I am okay, going but. to. How what? do we get you to start? Uh, you know, building your own cables and. Uh... You know, I think this is what <laughs> this is what the the, the question cables. askers. Yeah, absolutely. No, you get you get the wire, here's, here's the you get thing. the right shielding, and you you have to clip and put on the like you know your soldering shit. You're like but it's got to be Kato. Kato. <laughs> Rob Zachney in like a welding apron and goggles. Oh. So one, that is not me. That is my partner. Like okay. that is you're right. Like it's MK. Yeah. Like this is I Rob just like supervising his partner yeah. in welding goggles and glasses <laughs> or uh, apron. Right. I, I like, wait. Why do you have welding goggles? 
Because it's fun looking. Yeah. Because it looks I mean, fun. It- <laughs> well, sometimes if you're working with higher temperatures, um, <laughs> throwing more, uh, like depending on what torch you're using. Uh, once you here. move beyond soldering irons, um, yeah. you know. <laughs> I don't think we have to move beyond soldering irons for wires. No, we got it. I think we got to pull out the torch. Sorry, I can't. Yeah. I can't put the I can't put the finishing touches on the setup without a thermal lance from Michael Mann's heat. Uh, we've got to slowly we we got to slowly uh, graft this connection. Once uh, once the magnesium rod hits uh, four thousand C, um, so the other but but here's the thing though, this whole email is like. Isn't this the shit scammers say at like on like Amazon and Best Buy and such yeah. where it's mm-hmm. like you can't do not skimp on your digital HDMI cable. And 100%. it's like that's not true. Well, but the part of the scam there is that then the cables are still shit. The, the, the true part is that it can matter. And so what you have to do is you have to make them all from scratch yourself so you know what all the components are. You know what type of metals in there. You know Come what on, type of plastic. I know for a fact you do not do this. I I do yeah, not. I don't. This. I don't. We know this. We work with you. Yeah, homie. no, I know. I'm yep. just saying if I was putting look, I don't. But I don't have the speakers that Rob has. This if for true. some reason I came into that type of setup and would have to start wiring, no, you things, wouldn't. I would, would have to, look. I have a soldering cheaper, iron. Okay. I it have would be soldered things to buy before. a cable. And cut it open and consider, is this good material? And then buy a duplicate cable yeah. then to learn how to create your own cabling. Maybe it would be cheaper in the long run. If you can create your own cabling, right. you save a lot long term. Here's hmm. the other thing, though. Everything is like, there's an order of priority. I yeah. think I would be a schmuck if I'm worrying about the cables when I still am not sold on like, is this my forever receiver? You know, right. like sure. the 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 rewire I'm doing right now is like getting that NAD uh, stereo amp into the mix. Uh, so now uh, the carvers are going to be powered by a dedicated. Uh, like, is yeah. this going to fuck up my surround sound system? Absolutely. Are you kidding? <laughs> this is not a good decision at all. Um, it basically means my primary left and right channels are going to be awesome. They will not respond to volume control through the AV receiver. Oh That's the compromise I'm making. Right. Because how I would need you, a more modern stereo. How will you control amp. them? Yeah. How will you control them? You have to go up. Then? You have to get up and turn a knob on, the, on the I amp. I see. I see. You know, the way I that see. God intended. Right. The way, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. See, Kato gets it. This In some is- ways, it's better because it, it maintains the direct connection between you, your flesh, and <laughs> and the, 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 what are these? What do you, what do you have to control manually now? The volume. Your stereo yeah. system. Amp, you're, yeah, you're, all of them? The Not just the, okay. I'm, okay. <laughs> so basically, Austin. Imagine this. I don't like this. You're watching television. Uh, yeah. Imagine. And you're like, I'm having trouble hearing some of this. The right. Volume Wait is a too second. Low. Did they just say that wasn't a foul? I'll say. And I need to turn up the volume so I can hear what what the commentators are saying in this scenario. Now, in this scenario, when you turn the volume up using the AV receiver remote, yeah. the center channel increases in volume. The but rear none channel. Of- 
increases oh, in volume. Okay. Yes. If I decide to fucking hang those Atmos speakers, like pointing at the ceiling, those will increase in volume. Which you will, right? I may. You have <laughs> them. You may. You Might may as well. The thing is, it's not that big a room. That that's my actual conflict of mm. like. There's a point where I'm like, how 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 many sound waves can you throw into a small space before you're actually like watering the soup? Right. Um, Fair. Sure. 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 Because, like, if I don't have a high ceiling, so, like, that whole thing where it's like, oh, you want those sound waves bouncing off the ceiling. Uh, I'm not sure I do, because my <laughs> ceiling is, like, eight feet high. Yeah, you um, touch it. Yeah. Yeah. Point is, uh, so, all those would would change volume. Except my front left and my front right, the, the, the massive Carver speakers would continue on at their previous volume. I see. Say you're watching something noisy and you're like, holy shit, I should not Gotta have started watching Master and Commander at 1130 at night. My you neighbors the mute are going button. to be angry. Wait, okay, wait. You hit the mute button, then you're good because it's mute and it's not that, the volume control? Yes, that will work. Okay. Wait, hold so on. So we have hold a fix. On. So if you turn, hold on. What, is your TV still controlling volume at all? Uh, Well, I'm using the, the uh, EARC connection. Okay. So right. I can use the remote, but like the receiver is still like kind of well. Nice. Sorry. So hmm. this is where I think mute would still override. Yeah, right, this is mute my, would that just was cut the thinking, right. Yeah. right. But you can't adjust the signal at that level. Now a right. modern a modern stereo amp is built to integrate with things like AVRs and make. So it why responsive. don't you get? A, why are you not getting the modern one? Because the NAD is heavily customized for these carvers. Um, yeah. Yep. And the As board has now been substantially modified. I can <laughs> I can show you the circuit diagrams. Um, the, the, I have I have Good. like three pages of schematics documenting what is inside that NAD because um, it's no longer uh, like OEM uh, at all. Okay. Um, so you know, I think I just have to go with it. I have so many questions. I'm not going to ask. It weighs like sixty pounds. It makes sense. It's a lot of it's a lot of uh, electronics in there. A lot of if you can solve Rob's audio issue, uh, gaming at vice dot com. I don't know that it's. I an issue. one more question. <laughs> well, I think that there's a fix. There has to be a fix. There has to be a way around this, and it's probably the answer is something weird and custom to allow you to control those side speakers. So the e the remotely. thing the thing plugged into the eARC is that still going to the head to the to the amp, or is that amp totally separate? Uh, the the stereo amp is totally separate. Okay, right. That's there's the. But they have yeah. to join up at some point. Yeah, they they meet. So yeah. there are RCA connections between the stereo amp and the AV receiver. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, so that the AV receiver is like send the stereo channels over this RCA and let that right. stereo amp fuck with it. Right. And it doesn't. It, it doesn't fixed. control. So the the receiver is not controlling. Well, the, the maybe it'll value. surprise Mikado. Yeah. Maybe I'll be like, oh damn, it attenuated the volume through through that connection. That and I'll be, be very impressed. It feels like it that because that's how it works for all the other speakers, right? The only thing that you're adding is an amp in between that no, line, not right? How it works? No. No. The other speakers aren't connected to that receiver. Because think about it. The stereo, the, the stereo amp is running an entirely different power supply to those speakers. Right, right. Um, but it's it, an, it's just an amp. It's taking whatever signal it, it, it gets and well, amplifying it. 
Uh, but if though if there wasn't an amp there, right? That's true. Those, See, these those are, these would, are the there's a things. very funny there's a very funny thing that could happen here though, Kato. Yeah, which is if the amp is different, that amp could change. It could be there's a situation conceivable in which you hit up on the volume by one. Yeah. And for every other speaker, it goes up one. Right. Because the amp difference, it goes up three <laughs> or, or four. Right. There's like, there's the obviously a- speakers. <laughs> right. I mean, that, and that's what the, the knob the might control. That. Right. Uh, it's just like. Maybe. We gotta dial this bad boy in. Yeah. We gotta airdrop. We gotta parachute. To so, <laughs> the thing engineers. is, this NAD. Uh-huh. Um, What's an NAD? It's a it's a brand. It's a manufacturer. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. Gotcha. Um, yep. It's the wattage is very high to drive these two speakers. Right. Um, like, yeah, you don't say they're bigger huge. than people. We're yeah, talking it makes like sense. Yeah, but like it's the thing I would be worried so, about is coming out of that receiver there being low level line noise that you haven't heard before that is going to get amplified. By oh my the amp. god. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Kato, <laughs> if that happens, uh, <laughs> so if that happens, this thing, uh, it's three years old, but it predates uh, the new consoles. It's garbage now. Um, <laughs> into the bin with it. Uh, we need the new uh, Marantz flagship. Um, oh, my God. It's the price of a car. Yeah. Uh, but really, can you put a price on variable refresh? <laughs> And uh, better audio he's already processing. Up. He's already been, he's already been looking yeah, at the... He's already gone uh, down this road. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my Jesus. God. Jesus. Uh, one more question. <laughs> one more question. Comes in from Waz. Shout out to Waz. They say, I logged into my work laptop at 10 p.m. to quickly check something. That had been, did you already ask? This? No, the, but I was like... I have thoughts. Go on with this. Yeah. Okay. I logged on my work laptop at 10 p.m. to quickly check something that had been bugging me and saw that a manager had scheduled a meeting at 8 p.m. after everyone was off work for 7 a.m. the next day. <clears throat> so again, it's 10 p.m. You check, you open your laptop real quick to check something. Maybe you go, oh man, I wonder if they finally sent that second Mario Golf code or what a Skyward Sword code. And 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 instead, what you see is your manager has scheduled a 7 a.m. meeting for you, and they did that at 8 p.m. after the office closes. If you were in that predicament, would you pretend to not see the meeting invite until the next day when you log in at 8 a.m., or do you wake up early and show up anyway? Keep in mind, everyone in management is pretty chill, so if you dipped an hour early that day to make up for, for starting an hour early for the meeting, no one would question it. Regards, Waz. I didn't see that email. I never saw that. What what email? What invite? What meeting? Eight a, seven a.m. is so early. God, it's earlier than the. It's earlier. So, than well, that's the thing. It's, the it's, it's the earlier day. than you're supposed to be Depends in work on normally, the team. right? Like, well, how normal is a seven a.m. meeting? Like, that's the first question. Usually, everyone's there by eight. How normal is a seven a.m. thing? That doesn't make any sense. If everyone's if eight is the time when everyone's in, why isn't it for eight thirty? Like I don't know, right? Like this seems weird. This already yeah. seems like you're doing it earlier than people are getting in, later than everyone's already left. Like what is happening? It feels almost like it maybe is an emergency or something, but uh, who knows? What I do, I think what I do is yeah. I mean, maybe it's an emergency. In which case, it's emergency. We figure out. 
we talk about what the degree of emergency is, how invested I am in the project. Is it an emergency? If you put details in the meeting invite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the you, meeting should be very clear. Is about there an that. email being like, hey, sorry, this is coming late? Like, is there any other communication? I, or it's just like the meeting showed up in everyone's calendars, right? Like, I probably email I probably email my boss and say, I'm not going to make the 7 a.m. meeting. I'll see you at 8. Like, I have, I have things to do then. Uh, what I have to do then, sleep, is not any of their business. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I, I probably... Your boss doesn't know how many errands you're running before you get to the office. They don't know what you have to do before you – if you have to drop off kids, if you have to take care of other people in your family. Um, I'm Maybe you I, just need to lie under the covers for 45 minutes staring at the Genuinely, maybe you fucking do. To, like, yes. do this again. Yes. Right before I, uh, right before I, I stepped back uh, two years ago here – we had we had started not right before it was like six months before we had started doing all of the EICs doing a daily meeting at that was at eight thirty and so that was like I was already a late arriver at work and a late stayer that was the the kind of category I was in for sure um, and so doing those every morning was just brutal and it made the day it made me less productive throughout the entire day because of needing to adjust my schedule to them. Um, and I never found like a good a good rhythm with them where I was like, oh, I'll just go to bed. I was going to bed earlier than I have than I had since like high school. You know, you know what I mean. Um, your cycle still, is your cycle. After my cycle is my cycle. You know, um, and it, it can adjust within a few hours. Uh, but doing it every day ended up just breaking me because I would get to the weekends and my, my cycle would slip back to where I felt most naturally comfortable, where I was most productive late at night, etc. Um, and so, yeah, I your boss doesn't. Your boss doesn't need to know what you do from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. So, but I would probably email back and just say, I'm not making this. I'm not going to make it to this one because I'm, if that's the person I am. If there's like an email communication where it's like, we're talking about this, that's one thing. But if a meeting just appears in your calendar, I'm not saying shit. Like, I'm, no, like you didn't even try to reach out to say, like, hey, this is obviously weird, but we're doing this. And that's the other thing. (laughs) A calendar yeah, invite isn't a conversation. No. Like, no, that is not binding. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I do not care who you are <laughs> unless there's an email, like, explaining yeah. what this is about. And furthermore, if it's like, so the 7 a.m. meeting, again, my question is, how normal is it that, like, just routinely, it's expected, like, somebody just need to check, like, if everyone on the team, just as a matter of culture, tends to be, like, checking email by 630, Okay, sure. I guess like occasionally everyone sort of expects that you sort of uh, keep an eye on stuff like that. But in general, like if it's going to be we need to be here a full hour early to like talk about this thing urgently. Um, you have my text number for that. If it's that important, like use it like break glass and or just send the email to begin with. Yeah, like, there isn't if there isn't an actual email there. I will assume I, you I, fucked up. I will assume you you misclicked on on calendar and like yes just hit the wrong place because what would be way worse is showing up for the 7 a.m meeting and the person who called it is not there and they're like oh sorry my bad sorry i'll be there and i'll be there in 90 minutes i'm taking my kid to school yeah we have a late breaking news item this is ah. the nebelian thing uh, I mean, about no, what well, is it? It's about a Steam Deck. It's about the Steam Deck, correct? Steam Deck, Steam, Steam Deck dot com. The Steam Deck. There's two different links here. I'll link them. Yeah, you, you got that. 
there's this, and then there's I mean, there's like full on websites at this point. So it's not just like a this little thing. It's a it's a oh, wow. Steam Deck. All in one portal PC gaming. Steam Deck brings Steam games and features you love to a powerful community form factor. Like it's a, the Game Gear. It's big. Switch. It's so big. <laughs> Go to the SteamDeck.com one. There's an image of someone holding it, and you can see the scale of it. What is the? Size I'm not of saying the no necessarily. It's got back buttons. Look at that. Damn back buttons. Wait, where are the back? Oh yeah, there's a bunch of them back there, huh? The most gaming power you have ever held. Well, Calm down. Calm down. I buddy. just know there that you never wrapped your arms around one Ricardo Contreras. <laughs> <laughs> the most gaming power available. Steam with no comp. Steam without compromises. So, what is it running? What's it running? Is it running Windows? Control with comfort. The Steam Deck was built for extended play sessions. Whether you're using thumbsticks or trackpads, with full size controls positioned perfectly within your reach. Some, something so about big. this section. I'm sorry, it's so big. The the rear of the device is sculpted to comfortably fit a wide range of hand sizes. They just have like a small like little gif of the analog stick outside of the case kind of moving around and it feels like they're trying to call out drift and saying this thing won't have drift at all, which is not how analog sticks work. That's not how that's just going to happen eventually to anything. I mean, the, the yeah. switch had it worse than most things, but still um, there's a dock too. How much, there's a dock how much too. Is how much is this? I think 400 steam, I think 400, but someone yeah. just said someone in the chat we're in said, there's a 650 version. Oh, of course there is. Oh for God. real gamers. Oh my God. Let me log into my Steam 7. That's not my password. That's my. That's the first letter. Look, of once my Steam once you spend all this money on cables, it. are you going to hook a $400 Steam Deck <laughs> up to... Am I hooking this thing up to anything? Does this hook up to a, to a TV? What am I doing with this? It's just a switch. It's, it's a just like a mobile feature, thing, right? You know, the powerful and convenient... I don't understand how this works. I think it's just a. When you, I think it's just a. Oh, Base a model too, only has sixty-four see, gigs of internal storage. This thing is Shut streaming off up. your gaming rig, dude. Or it's no way. Or it's no going to be streaming off no, something. No, no, no. It has external. It has a versa, versatile. It shows on uh-huh. the. And it has a little. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, SD card that you can put in, so you can expand the. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, but I'm saying. The base model, 64 gigs? Uh, yeah, that's what the Switch comes with, isn't it? Or no, yeah, the new one, the OLED one comes I with that. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's not enough. It's not it's enough not. for anything I think, I think it's got to be doing something. It's got to be up to something. Uh, oh, well, to be, the, these are NVMe SSD cards. Like Those are more expensive than a regular SATA SSD. So like that's why yeah. it costs so much more. Because you got to get that form fact. Like, you got to fit it in. Yeah, that's... I still... I wait, where is... Specs here. God, that is big. Jesus Christ. It's huge. It's huge. On the other, it's like it's like Just the model they've got playing Jedi Order. It's oh, like you're holding yeah. a portable TV. Yeah. Oh, they got somebody here playing resolution. Disco Elysium. That's fun. Yeah. Actually, that would be nice to play that I on. I played that via Steam streaming, so I feel like I've played it in worse your in worse Steam situation. Library is already on your deck. Player well, what's games it from running? Steam? Is it running Linux? What is this your Steam library? Does that mean anything with a Linux build? Software. Welcome to your new home. The all-new home screen is everything you love about a Steam. A new Steam operating yeah, system. It's a Steam I found OS. it. 
on Steam Deck, your games will run uh, a different operating system than the one on your desktop PC. It's a new version of Steam OS, built with Steam Deck in mind and optimized for a handheld gaming experience. It comes with Proton, a compatibility layer that makes it possible to run your games without any porting work needed from developers. Interesting. For Deck, we're vastly improving Proton's game compatibility uh, and support for anti-cheat solutions by working directly with vendors. Quote, hold on to your butts. Uh, and then you click on and it says, it's a Linux system. You know this. The new version of SteamOS is optimized for handheld gaming, but it won't get in your way with other stuff. And it won't get in your way with other stuff. But if you want to get your hands dirty, head out, head on out to the desktop. Weird. Okay. Weird. Well, that exists. I don't know that I want to spend that much money on no. it. No. It's neat. It is. It's weird. The button set up. For people who haven't seen this yet, because they're just listening to us gawk at it, <laughs> there is a D-pad in the all the way top left. All the way top left. Yeah. Too far too up, far I think. Too far to the top left. In fact, all of the buttons are too far up on this thing, if it feels. Uh, then there is a a view button. I don't know what a view button is, but it's calling itself the view button to the right of that. And then to the right of that is the th left thumbstick. Below that is a trackpad. And below that is a Steam button. Is a button for is the Steam button. Yeah. Then, uh, and a speaker. Then there's a big screen. There's mics on the front. Then on the other side, top right, right thumbstick, options button, A B X Y buttons, <laughs> another trackpad, mm -hmm. and a button that says quick access. I don't know what that's for, but sure. Um. Then there's an R1, R2, L1, L2, some volume buttons, a, a USB-C port. And then there's also an L4 and L5 buttons on the back, plus an R4, R5 buttons on the back. And the thumbsticks push in, so that's L3 and R3. That's a lot of buttons. Display resolution, 1280 by 800. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm... I'm... I want to hold one. I want to know what the build quality looks Seven like. Seven-inch diagonal Feels like. on this. Is that, the, is that also the... What is the size of the new Switch? <laughs> I just don't go places anymore. Well, but what if you go on, like, your bed? You know? Then you have it in your hands instead of having Not to sit there. in a chair. My bed is for sleeping. What about your couch? Then I can just play on my computer. Oh, right, you got that lap dog. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Excuse me? The lap, do you not remember the lap dog? I don't, I frankly do not remember <laughs> the lap dog. Here, Austin, let me let me show you the Corsair lap dog. <laughs> Corsair lap dog. Lap dog, it just says in all caps here. Yeah. You want to sit down oh, for this. Oh, right. The, <laughs> wait, isn't that the same? Oh, the Steam said hold on to your butts. You want to sit down for this, I get it. Yeah, living room gaming with zero compromise. The laptop. You got one of these? Yeah. How's it work? I mean, it works well. Like, it's got All a right. very long cable. I can just drag this thing across the room. We needed one of these last a couple yeah, of weeks ago yeah, when we did E3. We Badly. Get, we should get one for the next Get a laptop. You need get the office. You need one for the office. Yeah. Yeah. Now, office here's laptop. the thing. There's only, I think only Corsair key keyboards fit the laptop. That's some bullshit. But <laughs> That's you some can bullshit. just sit something on the lap dog. Right, right. of course. Yeah. Uh, when we when we requisition this, I would prefer that we just call it uh, 
Uh, so it's called a Lapdog Gaming Control Center. Just write down that we need a gaming control center yeah. and that it's a deal at the price that it is. Because that sounds <laughs> You know in- all our bosses listen to this, right? <laughs> no. Don't. One of our bosses was Stop. like, I think three terabytes is too much storage for your gaming rig. Oh, I and I was that. like, we got four. one of those is four. just Warzone. And you know this, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Look. God. To be fair, that was a very expensive SSD. We found a yeah. cheaper one. It's gonna be okay, I think. Okay. I'm gonna oh, you compromised on that? Yeah, yeah. I got we. It, it's a whole thing. We'll talk later. Mm. But also, I think we can measure this. We need the tech specs of this. We just need to measure yeah. and make sure whatever keyboard we get for that that computer fits in there. Fits. Yeah. It'll be well, fine. let me tell you, or or fits. I'll use on a Corsair it. keyboard. Fits on it, right? Yeah. Because uh-huh. I will be damned if I don't use my Your, ASIO retro keyboard, oh God. Uh, which looks like an old-timey typewriter. It, it just like feels old-timey tremendous. Typewriter. Old-timey typewriter? Yeah. It does look have that, old-timey right? typewriter keys. Oh, shit. Key, key, not actual keys. Yeah. Nice. What are, they, what, are they, what are they called? What are the key caps? Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. key caps. But is this... It, it's real good. Little circular key caps on top of switches, like bare switches? What is happening here? I'm trying to parse what is happening with this keyboard. Is this still me- We have mechanical? to stop looking at things and describing on the mechanical internet. We have to end keyboard? this podcast. Okay, we have yeah, to end this it. podcast. We have to. I need to eat lunch and then, <laughs> and then maybe go back to bed. I had I met with an old friend last night who I haven't seen in a while. I had too many drinks and I'm not feeling good. Damn. So two and a half hour podcast would maybe <laughs> convince you otherwise. But Wait, we've been going for two and a half hours? Yeah. I've been, it's 2.25. We've been talking about right cables now. for like an hour of that. <laughs> Yeah, this has not been a good, this ain't good radio, but it's nice hanging out. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. That's the pro- that's this the problem is, right look, there. I think you just hit on the real problem with all of Waypoint's like growth initiatives, which yeah. is like, people will love it if we do this. And it's like, Trust you know what us. we love doing? Hanging out and having good times. Just having good times. I'm Austin Walker. You can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Rob? Snuggled up under my lap dog uh, at Rob Zachney. Kato. It really sounds like something else is happening over at Shay Rob. I'm yeah, at He's cuddling with Mina. Mina is in the background yeah. right now <laughs> on the couch. That's true. That's true. Desperate for company. I have two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> two, two good girls. Kato, one more time. Sorry. <laughs> I stopped on it. underscore Kato underscore appears. Awesome. Uh, and you can follow uh, Patrick at Patrick Klepek. Follow everything we do. Twitter.com slash waypoint, waypoint.vice.com. Waypointplus.com is where you can go to support everything we do. Rob and Patrick have been continuing their Resident Evil 1 remake, whatever that that's HD uh, uh, Let's Play, their playthrough um, uh, this week. They did one on Tuesday. Uh, how far in are you guys now? Um, you still in the mansion? Are you oh, moved yeah. on? Wait, okay. there's there's more than the mansion. I see. <laughs> uh, I see. It's fine. Um. So yeah, does that mean we're not very far? No, you're 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 making progress. I think you need a big session. I think you need a big day. I killed a big snake. No, I chased off a big snake. You chased off that big snake. I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Yeah. So so go tune into that again. We have a bunch of stuff in the Waypoint Plus feed. Uh, no sudden move podcast. We're recording the Forever Purge podcast tomorrow. Uh, that's where Patrick had to go. Uh, and uh, there's that interview with the Resident Evil like expert uh, that should be in the feed. Is that in the feed now, Kato? 
Yes, that is that. There we it, go. By the time you're hearing this, for sure, it is. I wish I could listen to that. You, you could. You can't. No, I have to stay pure. Wow. Right. Sure. I, don't I think can't. Were, I can't I don't learn the were, story behind the game until I played through the game. That makes I don't sense. know that there were any spoilers. No, Rob's I right. I think you're okay. No, Rob <laughs> should stay pure. Stay pure. Stay pure, Rob Zachney. Stay pure. I'm gonna start that. That's our new outro. No, no more <laughs> capitalism. Go home. At the end of every episode, I go, stay pure, Rob Zachney. Stay pure. But also, fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace. <laughs>when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Joy, and I'm going to go... To a movie theater. Um, I, can't, I, can't, I, I couldn't even. I, could, I couldn't even tell on the. I like ordered it in the app, and then it's like, do you want like snacks? And I was like, well, this isn't. This is a shitty theater. You just don't have. You like, I can't yeah. get like food. Food here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, order snacks. Can I? Can I go to the counter? Or like, are they theaters doing counters these days? Can I bring my own water? Well, here I they think are. they are. Yeah. I think. Well, okay. All right. But I when know. I looked at like the snack thing, it was like. Uh, pick up at the counter, or we'll bring it to you for two dollars. Oh. I was like, I that counter is like ten feet from the theater. Yeah. I think <laughs> I can go grab that. <laughs> and they they were like, not an option, which made me wonder if I'm wasn't. A, I'm, I'm sure. I, I'm sure. Oh man, you know what I discovered though, being in a theater. Mm. I've gotten so used to just being at home and mm. like never having any reason. Like I'll just use the bathroom. It's convenient. That like a single like. Right, Dr. Pepper. I was like, uh-huh. I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta go to the bathroom immediately. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> no, if, no! If I'm the only one there, can I turn to the projection? Like, hey, can you pause that? I know it's digital. <laughs> like, I'll be back just and push the button. Just, just, the hit button. just hit it. Just hit it. They you should line like thirty in the app. It should have a pause button. It was like you have a buffer of five minutes that you can like add to. Add oh to god! The- if you like open a vote with the other people <laughs> in the theater, hey. uh we all coming up. This, right? Like yeah. we could re up. Yeah. We have yeah. Does fifty percent of the people in the audience like have to go to the bathroom? All right, sorry. <laughs> all right, we're like, those yeah, trailers will not forever. I'm pretty much out of my popcorn anyway. Still a little <laughs> yeah, munchie. Gotta- all right, break. <laughs>